What's up, guys? It is Friday, December the 14th. We're on the Shack News channel on Twitch TV Live. And this is the Shack News staff Game of the Year Deliberation Battle Royal 2018. We're a little bit different than normal streams we have today. We're going to collect all the Shack staff. We're going to argue for our games. We're going to have a good time. Welcome all of you to the stream, followers, subscribers. Let's say hello to the wonderful cast of characters we have assembled today. What's up, guys? Sound resumed. Wizard making a bunch of really bad decisions lately. <laughs> no. Hey. This year flew by. We it's almost did it. We made it. Made Except it. Played, uh, what are those? Street Fighter Five. Apparently, we played Street Fighter Five. <laughs> oh yeah. The game of the year. So you guys can watch us hit each other while we argue for the top games. So let's see if I can make that happen. What is up, Heat Shack? Yeah, and I mean, did folks chat chime in with their own? Yeah, if you guys have know. any suggestions or whatever, yell at us in the chat. We'll try to read it. We'll try to see it. I can, I can do the chat since I'm not playing Street Fighter. Yeah. I have the chat up. Oh, well. Good for you. Well, to shut up as well, Greg. I don't think we welcomed Snoop Dogg. He's holding it down. Oh. Snoop Dogg is taking the place of Wolf today as I was too lazy to redo the overlay and we needed something down there. <laughs> Perfect. Now, to be fair, it's been a surprisingly busy day today. Yeah, kind of insane. Uh, and even last night, you know, with the Smash patch and then... Blizzard just blowing up Hearthstone. Uh, I'm so sad. Don't tell that. me they're blowing up Hearthstone. It's I, we I haven't saw, reached that point yet. <laughs> whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> I Dude, they, they're they're, they're making both kind of money on on Hearthstone, so it's not going anywhere. They don't make any money on Heroes. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna get meta. Which We're is really sad at, because it's the only look, MOBA that's worth a damn. Right, it really is. It really it's is. Like, whoa, it's convoluted whoa, meta like game, like goal, last hitting yeah. denying crap. This is like a stream inception. Sorry. Yeah, the screen <laughs> nesting doll. On the oh my front. god! Well, I just want to remind the folks that don't know: if you need news and you don't want us to read it to you every day in the afternoon, shacknews.com. On Twitch, shacknews. On Twitter, at shacknews. YouTube, shacknews games. And you need nudie pics. I think Greg's running the Instagram. I don't know the I address on that one. Something worth posting. You know, social media. We're there too. We're everywhere. So uh, I guess let's get into it, guys. Games came out this year. Uh, I don't know if there were 2018 of them, but that's how many years there have been since something happened. Uh, there are at least that many on oh, Steam alone. We got Hammersuit here in the chat. What's up? Hey there. Howdy, Hammersuit. So let's start this off uh, in the only way I know how. What's a game that came out early this year that was good? Are there any game of the year contenders oh. from early? Just First, start screaming shit you like. The last. Dragon Celeste. Dragon Ball Fighters also came out. Yeah, did it? Like January. Kingdom Come maybe. Deliverance. Let's talk a little bit about Celeste. That was uh, Celeste was my game of the year forerunner uh, up until a couple weeks ago, and it's it's fantastic. Uh, 2D platformers are my favorite genre, and I usually I'm kind of I'm one of those people who really doesn't care about traditional narratives and games. The more cutscenes you have, the less likely I am to play your quote unquote game. Uh, Celeste did a great job of fusing 
gameplay and narrative. I think maybe the best uh, 2D platformer is done since Braid 10 years ago, 10 and a half years ago. And it's, it's a ton of fun to play. It's got a ton of replayability. It really ups the challenge level for players like me who have been playing platformers since before they could talk. It's gorgeous. The soundtrack is great. Celeste is just a great package from top to bottom. You know yeah. a lot about packages, so well, I agree with everything you said. Kind of adding on to what David said, I think the level design in Celeste is some of the most impressive I've ever seen in a side-scrolling platform. Because they got to take advantage of the fact that, you know, back in the Mario days, you just went left to right. Yeah. In Celeste, you go every direction. And there's there's parts where it's a it's a puzzle kind of environment where you have to do something on one side of the level that will affect your ability to progress on the other side. I just remember this one where you shoot yourself across the level, and it's like this aha moment yeah. where you're like, oh, crap. I was stuck, you know, so many times in this game, I would be stuck for like a day or two on this one area and then i would just say screw this game put it down like threw it down no game has made me throw my switch down on my couch more than this one uh and that's including mario odyssey um but yeah it's just (laughs) the the feelings that you have from you know either getting these strawberries or progressing in the level it's very fulfilling uh for a platformer and you know it's uh you know one thing I really love about it is that it's a game that tells a story without being in your face about it. And it's, uh, it's about a girl climbing a mountain, right? But then she battles her inner demons, literally. (laughs) Uh, but it's, it's truly, uh, I, I want more games to borrow or learn from how Celeste told the the story. Uh, cause I, I do think it's, it's something that, I think it's that's what makes games for me exciting is that like you you are are enjoyable is that you like you feel like you've accomplished something but at the same time that like, you start to care about this character and that it's it's like the fusion of of the of the story you have have written so to speak by pulling off crazy moves like getting those strawberries then it melds so perfectly with the story the game is telling you and it's so hard to to accomplish that and celeste does it like almost every screen yep and uh you know it's, it's funny i went back to show one of my friends this game probably a week ago and i hadn't played the game in maybe i don't know eight months because this was early like january this is like a january release yeah. uh and i was like oh I, you know this level's cool i showed him like the first level but i'm like oh you should really see these later levels I forgot how fast the difficulty ramps up in this game. And if you haven't been playing it for a while, it is hard to come back to. Uh, but that's not anything against it. It just speaks to just like the difficulty ramp in this is, I don't know, it's, it's impressive. It's, it's really made for, this is the sort of throwback game that is made for people who kind of grew up playing these games. Yeah, and I think that's a point in its favor because, you know, as much as I love the 2D Mario games, those have grown simpler and simpler over the years to the point where a lot of the challenge for veteran players lies in doing things like collecting the three golden coins or three whatever hidden on levels where the the base levels themselves are easy celeste dispenses with all of the the simplicity and says you know this is going to challenge you but man are you going to feel great when you when you formulate a plan and then pull it off yeah and then going back to what he's what david said about replayability 
Um, this game has B-side tapes and C-side tapes. And getting those unlock these special level, like kind of sub-levels within the, the levels. Uh, it's just, they did a lot of fan service in this game. Uh, you know, just to people who like these kinds of uh, titles. And it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, you, I think if you look at it without playing it, you're like, ugh, how could this be game of the year with these graphics and this budget or whatever? But once you play it, you really understand it. it's it's a it's a unique game that came out this year. Meanwhile, Celeste gets a good story out there with gibberish. They just speak gibberish. Yeah, literally, they they don't even talk. It's just text. Uh, but honestly, Ozzy, like, kind of going back to that, I think the music did a really good job of like setting sets setting a great atmosphere. Up. Yeah, um, some of the best music I've heard in a game in, in a very long time. Yeah, um, it, it, it's just such a beautiful soundtrack, and like it's it makes you feel really just gets you into the moment and gets you into like the story it's trying to tell. And I, I, just go just uh, piggybacking off of what Chris is saying, like just considering what triple uh, a games have like put together and like all the advantages that they have and this is basically just a very small team and that they were able to put this together the way they have it's just a total testament to how well their team is put together and just one more note I, I think one reason the story resonated for me uh not to get too real is that you know i i suffer from depression a lot of people do and that's what Celeste's story deals with. And I, I couldn't think of a more perfect metaphor. It, it, you know, dealing with depression is like climbing this mountain where it just, just riddles the spikes and pits and drops. And, you, you know, clearing one screen, it feels pretty good. And I think the metaphor extends to that. Yeah, and, you know, because Madeline's main enemy in the game is literally her reflection, uh, yeah. that kind of speaks to people who struggle with that as well. Right. Is that it's kind of... You yeah. see yourself. Yeah, you, you have to that. get yourself uh, in order, you know, or at least to kind of make your own breakthrough. It's just, it, it's a... It's a beautiful game. It's really amazing uh, what they're able to accomplish uh, with, you know, not as many resources as, like you said, a game like Red Dead that yeah. tells it tells an excellent story itself, but, you know, that they didn't have to be in your face with it. You know, a lot of the, the Shaq News Game of the Year... Uh, in at least in the past few years, you look at Doom in 2016, you look at Breath of the Wild in 2017, Link doesn't say a word, right? And Doom Guy doesn't say a word, but they both told pretty great stories. Uh, and I think this game kind of fits uh, in with that in its own way. We do like minimalistic storytelling here at Shack News, <laughs> just don't be all in my face with it, yeah. And maybe don't take 10 hours of tutorial to, to get to the meat <laughs> of your story. Does you even make... go back to like the days of like Chrono Trigger where like the main hero didn't say nodded. I, I, I love that. Uh, we're talking about like, please don't give me a 10 hour tutorial when, like a month before Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out and it's probably going to have like a 10 to 15 hour intro. <laughs> yeah, you, you enjoy that, Ozzy. Let me know how that goes. I will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Stay, like, what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys pulling for uh, when our ballots are cast? Personally, it's actually a game that came out early and kind of like at the mid to late point of the year mm -hmm. um, for me, and it's it's going to have my overall vote is Monster Hunter World. Um, 
First time I've ever played a Monster Hunter game. Never touched it. Didn't know anything about it going in or anything about the franchise. Uh, and I was hooked immediately because the one of my favorite games of all time, even though there's a lot of debate about how good it is, is the Destiny franchise. And there's things that Monster Hunter did so well that I wish I could have in Destiny. And it sort of took over... Um, and gave me the loot grind that I was looking for. Um, when I wanted an item, I knew how to get it. Uh, repetitive boss encounters weren't repetitive because of the way that they changed the environment or changed the circumstances just slightly, that it never really felt like it was becoming tedious to, to grind for a piece of gear or grind for a resource. Um, and so I played it initially on the PS4 when it came out, and I loved it, but knew that I'm not really a console gamer and when the PC version came out, I, it's all I played for about a month. Uh, it, I don't really care at all for the narrative of Monster Hunter World. I didn't play it for that, but I played it more for the endgame content. And uh, it's something that if I had more time, I'd still be playing daily today. Uh, and I think that it's the one game that had the biggest impact on my, my gaming time, my gaming... Uh, um, habits this year. So that would be mine that I think stands out to me, especially uh, as my favorite of the year. I'm back in... Yeah. No, no, no. It'll be PC all the way. It, anytime I can make that switch, I make the switch unless there's like a reason that I can't, which is, you know, the game is just broken on PC or something, and it's that's not the case here, of course. Um, I I can see myself playing this for a very long time. Um, as long as it's supported. And uh, I, I just don't think that anything else is going to take as much of my time in the next you know, six months or so as what Monster Hunter World will. Mm. At least what? it might take my time, but I won't enjoy that time as much. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, what were you saying? Well, I'm, I'm with Bill 100%. I love Monster Hunter World. I sunk, about, I sunk over 200 hours. Yeah, I'm in that range too. For sure. Between the two platforms. Ah, uh, man. Just, uh, I just played it on PS4. I just played it on PS4 because that's where everyone I game with is. And, uh, it's, it's just fun to, like, you had a party going, you go out there, you hunt giant monsters, you brawl. It's like every fight is a boss fight, you know, yeah. and it just... And the mm -hmm. way they handle the boss health is really good. There's no health bar, you know what I mean? Like, they use mm -hmm. subtle signs from your um, your enemies. Like, I, guess, I don't want to say enemies because they're not really... I, I feel like you're kind of the bad guy in Monster Hunter World. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty much are. Yeah. Around but killing nature. Just to kind of draw a comparison of why it really resonated with me, in Destiny, you're just on luck. Like, you know, we were joking about a guide yesterday and how, you know, how to get a certain exotic in Destiny, and my, my comment was, stupid-ass luck. And Sam's like, yeah. <laughs> and in Monster Hunter World, if I want something, I know what I need to do to get it. It might take me a long time, and it might be a rare drop. It could be 7% chance I'm going to get it. But I know where I need to go and what I need to focus on. And I might have to kill the same monster 10 times or 12 times or whatever. But I'm doing it in a different arena, and I'm doing it under different circumstances. And that's what brings me back, is that I don't feel helpless in the grind. It's a grind. But it makes sense. There's a logical order to the grind. It's not just randomness, and that's what I enjoy the most about it. 
It's fair to say. It's fair to compare that game to like Destiny because they are two completely different games, you know. Well, not necessarily. Uh, They're both about grinding for loot. Essentially, they're both about building your character more powerful all the time. Like right, but but like Monster Hunter, like actually has like a deep crafting system and multiple like armor sets. Where Destiny just crutches on the shooting way too hard, and like that's all you're doing is shooting. You know. uh, Yeah, it's still for me the loot's still a, a, a comparison that I can draw. Um, the crafting is obviously, you know, stands apart because Monster Hunter World, but, um, it's just a, like, it's a personal comparison that I drew of, like, when I, I stopped playing Destiny a lot when I started playing Monster Hunter because of, it gave me something that I was looking for in Destiny, but wasn't finding. And I feel like Monster Hunter is, like, just a better co-op experience in general. Like, you get, you can get randos and, like, have everybody we're working as a team because everybody wants to accomplish the same goal whereas in destiny if you get a rando you're basically rolling the dice and you don't know if you're going to get anybody useful or or whatever you don't know why they're there in destiny like they might be there for any of a dozen quests where in monster hunter world generally speaking if you're hunting a specific kind of monster in a specific scenario oftentimes it's because of the same reason you're looking for generally the same thing and like ninety five percent of the time, you know that everybody's going to work together because yeah. everybody wants the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I well, agree. There's also like a monster. You can there's different ways you can play the game. Like you can play like a heavy weapon feels a hundred percent different than a bow or like a yeah. light weapon. Where like a destiny, all the guns eventually kind of feel the same. I don't think they feel no. the same, but I definitely agree that in Monster Hunter World, I think they do a better job of making your choices matter. Like. There's definitely Absolutely. one one thing I think is interesting with the the people who are speaking positively about Monster Hunter World. You guys didn't play Monster Hunter before this, right? No, I did not. Yeah, because like a lot of what you like about this game has been in this franchise for a while. I just think that this is the most polished version of the game they've ever released. It's clearly graphically impressive. And just the scope of the world is impressive, but a lot of what you're talking about was there uh, in in the series. Yeah, uh, yeah right. but it, this one changed the point of entry just enough to make it much more accessible. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's more it, not switch. That definitely helped, but I think you know they did they did stuff to balance the way that the game plays, and also they, I think they gave it a more compact sort of experience when you go on a hunt it wasn't as sort of tedious or as it had been in the past and i know that they simplified the crafting system you now have those like uh you can follow those sparkly little things to your point now just little things yeah, that that is that definitely like, yeah there's definitely some uh quality of life improvements that they it's like they, they definitely listen to their fans and they made a they made they made it better. But yeah, from from my standpoint, like I guess my only dig on this game is that it's just more Monster Hunter. It's more yeah. pretty good Monster Hunter. And I am certainly a sheltered gamer. Like I was looking like as we were tallying up our, you know, game of the year uh, brainstorming independently, I realized that I spent basically a month on almost every game that I was on. And that reduced the amount of games that I played. I think I only played like 13 new games this year. Um, so I, I, I am sheltered in the sense that I haven't played a lot of the games that people grew up playing. Uh, 
I wasn't a huge gamer my entire life. I was a gamer, but not with a lot of depth to it. So I've heard a lot of people from Monster Hunter who have played it for a long time complain about how it's dumbed down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, this is fantastic for me. And they're like, yeah, this has been a thing forever. No idea. Yeah. Couldn't tell you that. Like, <laughs> that's that, I guess that's I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying anything negative about this game. It's more just that I I've spent hundreds of hours in a Monster Hunter game before. So the idea of doing it again, I'm like, yeah. It didn't, favorite, it didn't grab me. But see, my it's favorite weird, thing so, like, was Pokemon does that, story. and it does it in spades every time. It's so crazy how it, how successful that is when it follows the same formula. I really liked how I finished the story of Monster Hunter World and felt like, oh, like I'm at the end, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like 5%. Like, <laughs> I'm just starting, you know? Like, the game doesn't begin until you're through, essentially, like, the main story quest they have. Yeah. And there's been constant content <laughs> updates since then in New Hunt. For free. Features. Yeah, they haven't charged a dime for anything. And now there's like a whole other story coming. Yeah, next yeah. year. Oh, no, yeah. they've done a great job supporting it. It's also like, you know, Capcom knows that, hey, we have a hit. Let's let's keep, uh, you know, press the hot hand kind of situation. Yeah. It's, uh... Just looking through, like, I mean, there's been a lot of great games this year. There's, it's not the only game I considered, but uh, there's just nothing else that's really kind of given me that complete package for what I look for in a game that I'm going to play for months on end. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not somebody who plays a game for five or six hours or a dozen and then moves on. Like, I'm in for a few hundred hours usually. Um, and Monster Hunter World just, I don't ever regret my time in that game. Um, I mean, I don't think I shot it down too badly. Oh, Greg. Okay. I mean, I can talk more about it. Well, I mean, he never never takes it. I've never seen a sequel take so many steps backwards from its first game. Like, they just completely dropped the ball. And and, and I think the, oh, well, if you buy the DLC, it's better is an unacceptable (laughs) excuse. Like, that's not a a valid excuse. No. I Old man say, yells at cloud. I, I, I do think it's impressive, though, that a third-person game like Monster Hunter World appealed to a Destiny fan like Bill. You know, because that game, Greg mentioned it, it's very focused on gunplay. It's a first-person shooter. I feel like those raids, the average Destiny raid is way less cool than the average uh, monster battle. That battle that we have running was it's it has this cinematic quality yeah. to it. It's really it's a really fun game to watch. Yeah, it Monster really, Hunter World. It feels like the game really. Oh my god, you're using Gamespot gameplay for that. I'm Gross. You're Gross. Oh, Ew, I feel dirty. Murder. <laughs> um, I can't even think now. But yeah, it's just <laughs> I I I think like. At its best, Destiny 2, like, you don't really ever feel, like, as much of a badass as you do in Monster Hunter World. That's absolutely true. And I kind of felt like the Monster Hunter World combat was wonky until I realized, oh, I'm just not good at it. And then as I got good at it, I realized how incredibly uh, detailed it was. Uh, So that was sort of an eye-opener for me to be, kind of look at it and be like, eh, you know what, the combat's not that great. And then start to understand it better and how the weapons work and the you know the complexities of it and go oh it's actually really amazing I'm just an idiot that didn't realize what I was looking at. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways to play and a lot of 
unorthodox ways to play. Like there's there's some weird support stuff in there that like the hunting is, horn. Yeah, yeah, I I like the hunting horn. That's really that's a really cool way to play. And if you're if you want to go into something that's a little outside the box, then yeah, that's that's a kind of cool thing to go with. There's just so much. I mean, there's yeah, but there's environmental strategies that you can use. There's just learning like monsters' weaknesses as you play, and the more that you combat certain things, you learn different cues for when they're going to do certain attacks. You know, little nuance things pick up on as you play, and then you can just watch the world. You can yeah. just witness the world. Like you can watch the some of the just. The passive creatures. Their Understanding herds. that if you want the fang of something, that you have to literally break its head. Like, yeah, you know I mean, like focusing on it. It's not just some random drop that you get by hitting something without any kind oh. of uh, target. That's I love that. Knowing what I need to do and then having the tools to do it. That was pretty cool. Maybe that's like a normal thing in a game that should just be in every game, but I don't see it very often. So. See where we can take this uh, game of the year conversation, Charles. Uh, my my top two options are both RPGs. One came out relatively early this year. Uh, Pillars of Eternity came out in May, I believe. Yep. Uh, Pillars of Eternity: Deathfire Two is is a wonderful game, for sure. But I mean, it took me up to the last second to really decide which impacted me the most. And this is gonna be this is gonna sound like a terrible uh, thing to say. It's not actually a negative strike on the game but pillars of eternity was a known quantity for me so it was just and you know a more polished uh follow-up to the first game you know i knew what to expect i enjoyed it a great deal but the other game was something that kind of completely caught me off guard uh which is kingdom come deliverance and that came out i want to say march uh possibly and since then, I haven't experienced anything that made me feel like that game did. Uh, one of the key components for RPGs for me is a living and breathing world that I'm entertained by. And that could come via the writing. It could come through uh, the player's actions and how it impacts that world, which ties into the writing as well. Just, you know, the visuals, the mechanics. And I felt like that game uh, struck a chord on every level. And it had a lot of things on paper that seemed like it was going to go uh, away from being a positive experience for me, just from my personal experiences, because it's a medieval sim. And the developers talked a lot about how it was stripping away, you know, the 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 fantasy elements of similar similar RPGs. And it looked great, but I was like, uh, you know, that might be the missing link that kind of pushed me away from it. But just the they struck a really good balance between being as as hyper realistic as they could manage but also bending a bit to fit a, a inter, an entertaining gaming experience because there are simulators out there that just aren't for me they're like super super hardcore type things um for example bus simulator which i uh, played with crabs which it's hilarious when you play with the right people but you know, I'm just not super interested in taking people's bus passes and trying not to run over pedestrians and such. <laughs> but <laughs> but Kingdom Come had even the most mundane things, because explaining it to people was a horrible ordeal. Like, 
you know, I, I have to go to sleep at a certain time where my character is completely useless. Um, the, you know, there's, of course, there's no fantasy elements and stuff. The combat is expectedly difficult for, you know, trying to strike um, a balance between being fun and being accurate. Uh, and the combat, which I, I don't want to go too deep into it. The combat in this is some of the best first-person combat I've ever experienced in a game. Uh, it has like the right weight and then the right impact to it, um, and you can see that in, in the gameplay that's uh, being shown right now. It can actually get pretty chaotic with a lot of people in one section, but one-on-one -on -one fights, one-on-two uh, -on fights are absolutely incredible. But back to the main thing: Kingdom Come really struck a chord for me from beginning to end. Uh, it's a world that I really hated that I had to to stop exploring because I, I actually had to do the review for it. But, you know, as the nature, uh, the nature of the beast with all of us here, we've got to move on to the next project and the next title for the most part. And but I, I look forward to having a chance to go back to that game. There's some DLC that's come out, a uh, second um, set of DLC with some new missions that I'm actually going to come back to. I'm sorry, did was somebody saying something? I think no. someone pooted. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's one of the most memorable experiences that I've ever had, let alone um, this year. And that's my nomination. Uses all the latest bells and whistles to provide a mostly realistic look at the world uh, that can come off kind of cold or mundane looking, but when you actually take a chance to dig into the detail, it's it's crazy how good this game looks and as far as the gameplay and story stuff like you mentioned before uh i feel like it does get overlooked a bit just because of the mundane nature of how some of it goes you like you said there's no fantasy aspect to it and you have to do things like eat go to sleep and all that but that can be its own you know it's something that you can fall into uh that's not quite possible with games that are so fantastical or uh you know going out of their way to wow you every few minutes with either a, set pieces or you know moments like that it's a crying oh, yeah, sure. yes it is and which is also another mind-blowing aspect <laughs> yeah I, I, I remember when when i was seeing gameplay of this and like talking to charles about his review i kept in general on our slack i'd be like it's the year of the cry engine everyone because <laughs> like there's a game that actually runs with cry engine yeah uh, it's notoriously tough to work with and this team was very very small this was not like you know, a multi-national, worldwide, big team production. This was a small team in Europe that uh, got the most out of an engine that a lot of teams have had trouble working with and got really incredible visual results. There's, you know, problems here and there, but uh, on the whole, just the presentation they've pulled off is striking, I guess, in a word. Yeah, and a couple of added things, like the, the depth of detail in the visuals that goes into the mechanics too, like the combat mechanics or the um the uh the the alchemy in the game like i actually had to take notes for like recipes and stuff that i was trying to make and you have to go through every step to create the right recipes or that could backfire horribly but just things like that were wonderful and yeah year of the cry engine like it, it was surprising that they pulled this off and for the people that are interested in these types of things this was a kickstarted game as well uh crowdfunded uh game and 
you know, things can go really well with games that were crowdfunded or really, really bad. I was very glad to see that this one went well. I didn't kickstart this one, uh, but I, I had my eye on it uh, for quite a while, and I'm very glad that it executed the way it did. Is that going to come out on console, Charles, at any time, or just no way it can't do it on this generation's hardware? Uh, it is. It is. It's already on. Uh, it, it launched side by side, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, it launched side by side uh, with it. And I didn't play it on consoles, but it didn't seem like uh, the, the console versions were horribly, you know, gimped compared to the PC version. Wasn't this a game that other outlets boycotted reviewing? They did. And a, a big part of that was not so much the actual mistake they made, but how the developer, one of the developers is just, um, best way to put it, he's just an, he's an idiot. And mm -hmm. he, he, it, his ego got the best of him, and he couldn't handle the criticism that for this being a medieval sim, uh, one of the, the, the things that was pointed out was the, the lack of people of color in the specific region that he was focusing on for this particular game. And this was, uh, I believe, the creative director for this game. Mm -hmm. And he, he took that criticism the wrong way and basically you know, stuck his heels in the ground while people continued to disprove his take on it. And that definitely soured uh, a lot of people on the game, which is unfortunate because he could have handled that better. I mean, ultimately, he could have done better research in the first place. Yeah. But he could have handled the criticism better uh, at, at a very, very crucial time for this game uh, because all of this happened around launch. It was like the absolute worst time that it could happen. And yep. yeah. Yep, so people decided not to cover it at all. Yeah. Or review it, rather. I think it's unfortunate, because there's a lot of people that worked on this game that probably didn't share his opinion. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, I think that's everything. It looks, you know, it's funny. I, I have this game on Steam. We just did that Shack Chack article, Plug Plug. It's on the front page right now. Games in our backlog. This is one of the top games in my Steam backlog right now. I just haven't had time to play it, but it is. It looks cool. Yeah, this yeah. is a big plan for me to run through on my Christmas break. I'm excited for it. Uh, I've played a little bit with the swordplay in it. Uh, it's one of the big problems I had with Skyrim, as I just hated the combat in all ways. Like, I like. Mm -hmm. You could do whatever you wanted to do, but I just never liked the first person combat. This thing tries something new and makes achievements and strides in that area that are very exciting to me, especially as someone who played a lot of Mountain Blade. This feels like the evolution of that, and uh, yeah, can't wait. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, uh, trying to remember who else we had who was short on time, I believe. Brittany, uh, you got anything you want to toss up? What's the next thing we should be talking about? Um, no one else is going to talk about it, so I won't bring up Yakuza 6, even though that's what I would choose for my game of the year. So I will instead talk about Tetris. What? You yeah. don't think anybody was going to say anything about Yakuza? Not really, no, because no one even talked about it the last time we discussed any of the categories, so... No? no I, I, I don't think anyone there, here so even I played apologize. it besides me. I played it at Judges Week. Oh, no one played it besides me. I played it at Judges <laughs> Week. <laughs> I'm still playing yeah, Yakuza yeah. 0. 
Yeah, I actually started behind. because I want to get there. So I'm gonna toss a little footage up here on the screen anyway for the folks that are completely unaware if they missed completely, uh, you know, open world, uh, not gangster simulator. What's the best way you would describe it? A Yakuza simulator. Yakuza, well, that's actually, Japanese nice gangster guy simulator, and it's not Yakuza. Let's get that straight. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Yakuza. Yakuza. I'm sorry, I'm not. Uh, I've never left the that. house. It's like it's like a Japanese dad simulator. I thought. Well, that's how uh, Robert Mitchum said it in his 1974 classic Yakuza. <laughs> Dope movie, by the way. But it's to, not the best place to start if you haven't played any of them before. So though. the remake was it uh, Zero? It's just been re-released on Steam with a very very nice version, if I'm not mistaken. Is that the one? Yeah, it but is? I'm talking about Six. Oh well. I think he was he was he was backing up what you said about oh, okay. not where to start. Yeah, that would be yeah Yakuza Kiwami. Yep. And then Yakuza Zero. I mean, you could do either one, I guess, but you. Could, you know, it doesn't really matter. Whichever one you decide that you want to play first. Zero is the prequel, right? I'm sorry? Oh, yes. Yes. And then they made it confusing by giving it a subtitle, Kiwami, and then Kiwami 2, which is just basically Yakuza 2. Mm. <laughs> Those are already all available on the PS4 now, and I believe the Kiwamis are going to be hitting Steam soon, or maybe they already have. I'm not sure if it is or not yet. But, Brittany, does Senpai notice him? Senpai noticed you. Oh. Hey. <laughs> oh. Not in a good way, though. <laughs> Not in a good way. <laughs> but you were noticed. Okay, but besides Yakuza, since no one else here really played it, uh, and that's our fault, a game that I have played, too, that you just mentioned in passing is Tetris Effect. Yep. That's actually uh, what I put at the top of the list. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've seen your list, uh, and I that's why I was surprised when I heard Yakuza come out of your mouth, but that wasn't that surprised. Um, <laughs> Tetris Effect. Let's talk about it. How good is this game? It's so good that yay, yay! you should just have a copy. Like you don't really have an excuse to not have a copy. Yeah, twenty dollars. Yeah, it's twenty bucks. I had to pay full price, which mm -hmm. sucks, but I would have paid it again. <laughs> and again. I got the last copy at my local GameStop. I'm very happy. I'm glad you got it at your local GameStop as opposed to one that was far away. I've I've done that before. I've had to go far away to get it to get I'm it, sorry you, know, you had to go to GameStop in GameStop. general. Ew, you have to take a shower afterwards. But uh, it's a grimy place. But yeah, outside of shooting on GameStop, um, this game is so good. Like it it has no business being this good. Yeah, it's, it's just like, Tetris. Like on like on paper, everyone's like, it's just a Tetris game. All they did was put pretty colors around it. Nope, they completely changed Tetris, and it it deserves high praise for that. Uh, it is a one person rave. Yes, but I would say that I think in my review I said this is the best Tetris game since the new Tetris for N sixty four, and I absolutely loved that version. I'm also annoyed that you didn't use my gameplay for this. Like, what are you doing? Uh, I, only, <laughs> I only uploaded like nine levels or something. No. So, so let me, Brittany and Asif, uh, I, I'm going to join the, the Tetris Effect fan club here because I saw this at Asif's house. He's like, let me show you this. And I was like, you know, going in like, oh, okay, new version of Tetris. I'm always game for this. Like many people, I've loved it since the Game Boy version. And... A lot of the conversation I had heard around Tetris Effect 
prior to seeing it and then playing it was around the VR mode, which I still haven't tried yet. And we mm -hmm. should talk about that later. But one thing I love about this game is I asked Asif, does this have multiplayer? And he said, no. And at first I was like, really? A Tetris game with no multiplayer? But then I tried the single player. And this is one of the, the only games I can think of off the top of my head that does a great job of involving the graphics, the animation, and the sound design into the, the gameplay. Like there's a level with, I don't know what it's called, but it's the one with the windmills in the background mm -hmm. where all of the, the audiovisual and gameplay elements are so beautifully packaged into that level's theme. Like the, the look and shape of the, the pieces change and every action you take from movement to rotation to dropping creates a different sound effects that I was having as much fun kind of making my own little beat and mm -hmm. rhythm with the background music as I was yay, playing yay. the game. I just wondered, Brittany, if, if you enjoyed that aspect of it as well. I think that's one of the, the most unique features about this version of Tetris. I, I don't know. I just like everything about it. I don't like just nailing down one thing, honestly. I mean, one thing I just go back and do is just listen to the songs on YouTube. I don't even have to play it. I just want to hear the songs. Well, yeah, yeah. They, they gave us theater mode for that reason. Yeah. Like, that was like, Thankfully. Liter literally, I think the first month I had this game, every Saturday morning, made a cup of tea, threw on theater mode, and I would just hang out on the couch with my dog and just watch theater mode. Because, like, you're right. The music is so good in this game. And the game just makes you feel good, you know? Uh, the music, especially. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's hard to pinpoint why I love it so much. But it, I, I, I for for my game of the year vote, I have to have replay value. And this game has a shit ton of replay value. I was just saying that about a game that I was going to choose for game of the year because um, something for me to give game of the year i have to want to go back and play it or be able to go back and play it and a lot of the games that i played this year i really loved them but i don't really see myself going back and doing it again like you have the big huge stories like in red dead redemption 2 which is great but i'll probably not go back and do it again oh but yeah this game i will play forever i think about it every day i think about ritual passion pretty much every day mm-hmm just in passing Oh, it's it like there's a reason that the only theater mode gameplay that Chris isn't showing from Shackney is is Ritual Passion. <laughs> like it is such a good song level, whatever you want to call it, and it's just that perfect uh, example of how he, you know, the developers used uh, the concept of a buildup in music to really enhance the gameplay. Because like, what makes this different than any other Tetris is that. It's not, oh, you cleared X amount of lines, now you're going to go Y speed. It's no, this is the part of the song you're at, so things are about to change, you know? And I, I just, I loved how hype it made moments in the game, you know, like where your heart rate, and it, it, you know, kind of intensifies. Yeah, but you especially had that in the songs like Yours Forever and then the song at the very end. Mm -hmm. Um Basically, those songs, they had really good transitions, like when the song changed keys or beats. And you knew it was coming because I've heard the Yours Forever about a thousand times before I actually played the game because I loved yeah. it so much. Yeah, that's trailer. Um, but it was amazing. Anyway, when it did happen, even though I knew it was going to happen. Yep. Oh, no, same. Like I, I still go back and play it, and I'm still excited by those moments. Uh, and you guys... 
played um have you played any of the challenge modes like mystery mm-hmm. mode or anything like that? Oh, yeah. And that stuff is insane. That's the most insane Tetris I've played when Yeah, it's intense. In mystery yeah. mode, when it flips it upside down and switches the way the controllers go, mm-hmm. like That's the direction, cool. it is, yeah, it's, you feel like you're so clever, and then you get to that point, and you're just, nope, I've still got so much to learn. I almost pulled an all-nighter with that mode uh, during the demo, and I remember, like, feeling really good about getting the upside-down section, and then they gave me a giant, giant block, block, and it just like filled up half my screen. And I go, oh, well, there goes that. Yeah. I want to address yeah. something that Luchi Dobra said in the chat about the online and Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, as far as replayability goes, that's just not the kind of replay value I'm interested in. No. Um, no. Because that's going to be no matter what you say about it, it's going to be a fleeting replay value. Like one day it may not exist. One day it might not work as well as it did before. I mean, that's not that's going to be a long time from now. But Tetris Effect is still going to be the same way it was. It's still going to be the same exact game that I can go back and play pretty much any time, and I don't have to deal with other people, which is what I don't want to do. Uh, I can do it by myself, and if I do want to play Tetris Effect with others, I don't have to listen to them or talk to them or rely on them. So And you don't need a credit card. I mean. yeah. What? And you don't need a credit card. I don't need a credit card. <laughs> you know, you know, I would almost argue that like Red Dead Online is a separate game at this point. Oh, yeah. like Grand Theft Auto. Uh, you, you know my opinion on it. I think it's shameful that yeah. they, they shipped a game that was delayed twice without an online, and then yeah. they ship, Then they're like, oh, by the way, here's a beta version of our online <laughs> Uh, and then we're going to work on it. Yeah. And, like no one should be sitting here applauding that. Um, and then I don't think anyone is. But uh, going back to Tetris Effect and just the idea of playing with more than one person, I, I when I showed it to one of my friends who came over a couple weeks ago, we were just taking turns, you know, because it's the kind of game, you know, kind of going back to like how the music affects it. This game fucks with you constantly, you know. It's like, oh, you thought you were doing great. Guess what? Thirteen speed. You know, like out of nowhere, yeah. like, oh God, you know, and like, it's just, it makes you feel so good when you actually get past those really difficult parts of this game. And uh, yeah. these, these, uh, the effect mode is what they call them. Uh, that's going to add a ton of replay value because they do, I think they're calling them like, they're like events essentially, like community events that are going to happen frequently. And there's like goals for the whole community to hit this many lines by this deadline and so oh, yeah. far I, have, I think we've hit every single uh target that the devs have set for us but yeah it's i agree with Brittany. it's a game i'm going to be playing for years i can't believe you're using this gameplay it's awful <laughs> i want to say something about this being um in terms of music and rhythm games you know because obviously it's a music Gucci game who's amazing everyone should praise him um, but just like I go back and play um, Jeremy Lammy and Perhaps the Rapper and pretty much all the other music games in my collection, I go back and play this the same way because in my head it's more of a music game than a Tetris game because the music affects you more than you think. I know it's just easy to write off and say, oh, it's just Tetris and I can play it muted and blah, 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 but you're really missing out if you don't play it with music. And you can play it in, you know, without VR, but I think the VR enhances it. I know for a fact that I play better once I put the, the PSVR headset on because I was more immersed and I was able to pay attention. I felt like I was building the soundscapes around me instead mm-hmm. of just interacting with them. Um, so I feel like it's, you know, it's more of a music game than, than anything I've played this year. Um, weirdly enough, you don't have to match the rhythm or anything, but 
it's just kind of one with the music. And that's like a big theme for Mizuguchi with synesthesia and res and things like that. So he accomplished pretty much everything I was hoping for. I'm very pleased with it. And I, I love that. I fucking love it, guys. Um, there is no game that I tried out that that sold me on a VR headset. This made me want to go out and get a, play, a PlayStation VR. Like, yeah, I've heard that. It, it's a lot. that good. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, like you brought up Mizuguchi and like how he's all about synesthesia. And I love all his games, but I've never really gotten. I've never really User felt that effect from your channel. But uh, this this game, it, it, I feel like he totally nailed. That, the, that I felt this in the studio. And, like, because you get into it, and I feel you kind of become the Tetris. Like, you, you feel the controller pulsing in your hand along with the music. You're mm-hmm. hyper focused. You're not blinking. You're just, you're just in the game, and you're, you're listening to all the stuff going on, and you're reacting to the visuals in the background, and kind of melt into it. Yeah, I've actually, really cool. you know, going back to VR real quick, I've been, actually been avoiding playing it in VR because it's, like, too immersive. And I just, I, I feel like... You are a Tetris addict. Yeah, I have a problem, okay? And, like, I, I really like Tetris games. And, like, I, I have been a victim of the Tetris effect where, you know, it infects your dreams and you think about it all day long. So when I, like, when I got the... When I wrote the review for Shaq and I was, like, I, I told... Uh, Blake and Bill, when they gave it to me, I'm like, this is a bad idea, uh, you know, because I like I'm not going to want to play any other games for the rest of the year. Uh, I love this game so much that I have it. I have two PS4 set up in two different rooms. I have Tetris Effect on both, but yeah, I've intentionally not been playing it in VR because I think it's more addictive in VR than it is uh, on a flat screen. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with Brittany. I play way better in VR, and it, it's because you're immersed. The other thing I think is really cool about the VR experience, uh, the graphics, you know, like the the visual effects, they come from behind you and then in front of you, you know, when you're in VR because you're immersed in that world. Whereas when you're looking at it from a screen, it's just a pretty background. Uh, granted, there is some foreground stuff going on, yeah. but that foreground stuff is so much more intense in VR. Yeah, like and- when you're doing the Ritual Passion Mode and the flames like kind of float in front of you and they take mm-hmm. you by surprise and then you can't pay attention to the blocks. Yep. Yeah, it goes back to what I said. Like The game's like messing with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. And it definitely makes it more, it's a more immersive experience, but... That's actually yeah. a later stage, and they decided to include it in the trial, which I thought was interesting because I think it's a better stage than the actual natural order of them. So if they had included it in the trial, um, I don't know if many more people would have wanted to try it because that's what I heard from a lot of different people that tried the demo. And they're like, I really like that stage. And I'm like, that's interesting because you don't actually get it in that order. Yeah. This gameplay is just atrocious. I'm sorry. <laughs> this person. I am sort of. I'm not going to win Stream Runner of the Year. I'm sorry. This guy does not know. <laughs> Dogs flipping out in the background. They don't like it. Everything is going wrong, guys. Oh, oh no. The doggos are mad. Uh, but no, I think Brittany's made a lot of the points that I would make it what that I would make about this. And yeah, I, I'm I'm torn because you know there's a stigma from puzzle games. How do you give puzzle game game of the year, Brittany? Right. Yeah, I think that's probably what most people would say. But then I guess those are the same people that look at it and think, well, it's just Tetris. Yep. Well, you know, it's not, though. 
you know, it's very different. You know, I, I don't also, really like Tetris, so. There's also something to be said about a game that has remained the same for, you know, 40 years or whatever, 30 years, and, like, it's still good. You know what I mean? There's something about that. But we just spent the last, I don't know how many minutes, explaining how it's different. Right. But the, the core, core mechanics are still, some, are still the same. The you said values. this so many times over the last few days. I don't even know if you're serious anymore. <laughs> He's just Greg. Yeah, like, I'm saying something Greg. positive about the game. Why is everyone ragging on me? I'm not you're ragging on you, but you say that all the time. Years. Did you play it, Greg? No. no. Uh, yeah, I do. I do have it. I played it like for quickly. Well, then go play some more. Mm-hmm. Have you beaten Journey Mode? No. Okay, go do that. Yeah, go do that. Leave the stream. Go do that. And then yeah, come go back. do that. And then come back and tell me it's not a I was saying there's something to be said about a game that's lasted this long. It's still good, is what I was saying. But no, it's true that they, they, they it's at its core Tetris is a good game. But Brittany was mentioning how she's not really a Tetris fan, right. but this game still appealed to her. You know, and it I'm sure it has some to do with mids being behind it, but it's also it's just that different. They they did something completely different. I talked about in my review is like they completely threw out the core mechanic of clear lines go they said no it's music music is going to determine this game and i agree with what Brittany's saying about people should judge this as a music game uh more than a puzzle game and they're not going to because they're like greg and they can't see the difference not saying I see the. I was giving the fucking game a compliment, and everyone's like, "Great, wrong." I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'm wrong. Sorry, the game's not good." Like, <laughs> take take it easy, man. Greg, Greg, turn your radio down. <laughs> Boo, Greg. Okay. No, I've literally stayed quiet, quiet the entire, entire fucking stream, and I say one thing, and everyone jumps down my throat. Like, okay. Does <laughs> anyone does Greg sound like he's in space? To anyone else? Is anyone else getting double Greg's. Greg's perpetually in space. I just thought that's where I lived. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, Greg, what game did you like in 2018? Oh, there were so many games. Yeah, you didn't pick Can one. you narrow it down to a couple? For the backlog. Um, probably Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. Let's talk about this one because I believe Sam, who's not here, may have wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, just it was... Uh, I don't know, like I've never seen a game quite like that. So many games are wrapped up with like stories and cutscenes, or like have some kind of gimmick. You know what I mean? And, but like this was just like there are no cutscenes. There is no interaction. The game, the world was what you made of it, and I just thought that was kind of ambitious. And even though like I've lost interest in it over the last four months or so, there was like a three month period where I just played it every night for eight hours. So, yeah, we like, were playing this a lot, Graham. Yeah. So I mean, just because a game doesn't have a hundred hours of gameplay doesn't mean that it's not. Good. I think this game could potentially add up to hundreds of hours of game. Yeah, it could, it could, but I think I think that's a that's just that's an overline uh, a very underlining problem in games uh, as a, in general. People look at it as oh, well, how many hours is it, and then they they base solely judge it on that. You know what I mean? Can, like, can you can you tell everyone about Captain Sea Cow's adventures? Gar, Captain Sea Cow loves sea turtles. But what was like your go to thing? You would. So, yeah, yeah, so you'd go on the ship and you'd eat all their bananas. <laughs> that was his go-to move. Right. He would jump on the uh, like, a random boat, eat all of their bananas, and then they would discover him, and we would try to steal stuff. But yeah, we were we definitely played this game like we were anarchists, Greg. We did not care 
about griefing or anything. We would steal stuff all the time. Pirates on the open sea. If we saw someone, uh, someone was at a skull fort and they were getting, mm-hmm. they were getting, uh, you know, raring to take all their treasure off, we would ransack them, steal all their treasure. It was, the game is, it's kind of filthy in that sense, but it you know, is like- pirate. And I also think it's great that a game, much like Tetris Effect, like it's kind of serene at certain points. Like you're, it's not a high. It can, it can be a high tense game, but it's not at its core. It's not. It's a kind of a relaxing game. You know, you're just sailing and doing stuff. You know what well, I mean? Well, it's so a balance. It, 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 I think you're actually right in that comparison. Like it's this balance between a very peaceful game and then suddenly crazy stuff happens. You know. Like you'll like I'll just be like on the bow playing my accordion, and then you're like, "Holy crap, things are things are rapidly changing." Um, I think the biggest dig on this game, and I, I think uh, Beowulf's mentioning it, uh, was the servers. How there wasn't really like a whole lot to do when it launched. Yeah. Uh, so it it hurt it uh, at first, but I really think that if you if you had a crew of four people that you're having fun with. It was just really enjoyable. Also, to, speaking to one of Beowulf's comments in chatty, he said that you know the max of uh, roughly sixteen people on a server can limit interaction. I actually see that as a pro rather than a con. This is the mm-hmm. sort of game where, like, I don't want to be caught in the gridlock of pirate ships. I don't want there to be like mm-hmm. a pirate rush hour. Yeah, I would actually have prefer to have virtual miles of open sea. And for seeing someone else, another ship, to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see what he's saying, and I think that point has merit. But I also wouldn't want this to be like a Battlefield-sized game, or they're just ships everywhere I turn, everywhere I look. Like when, I, and when you break it down, that's true. But like, if you have the, like having the game on a small ship by yourself and having a game on a galleon with four people is almost two completely different games. Yeah, I, I think that should be the case. I'm kind of also, another thing I'm disappointed about it was the lack of ship variety in the game. I wish there were more than the basic three that we got, I guess, to start. I think they've added one sense, if I'm not mistaken. I will mention this, though. Um, I haven't logged nearly as many hours in this game as a lot of other staff members, but when I tried this game and I was learning how to perform all the different functions on the ship, I think that the time you spend doing things like one thing I did just for fun was I ran around below deck, got tremendously drunk, yep, mm-hmm. and then vomited all over myself while I was trying to bail out a hole mm-hmm. in the hull. And and I, what was interesting about that is I don't know anything about the map size. Maybe it is small, but everything you do in the game is so involved and you invest in that you're really not thinking about you know, the size of the maps or anything like that. You're really focused on your tasks and kind of in the moment. And again, I'm not disagreeing with your or Beowulf's point. I just think that uh, the fact that that Rare, uh, such a story developer, was able to take tasks that in a lot of games might be considered chores and make them fun and involved and make you feel like part of the crew, I think kind of outshines all the, the maybe the bad stuff. Yeah, and just look at this gameplay right now. I love the lack of a HUD. Yeah. I like that I don't have a stupid compass on screen perpetually telling me where to go. That, that I have to pull it out of my weapons wheel. That there's like a compass that I have to look at. That there's a 
uh, a looking glass that I can use to zoom. Rare, you know? rare masters about that. I mean, I think yeah. back as far as like Donkey Kong Country, where they were like, you know what? Instead of a life meter, we're going to have two monkeys. Instead of showing the bananas and lives all the time, they'll just kind of appear when you need to see them. They might have even been doing it for longer. And so I feel like Sea of Thieves, um, in, in a lot of ways, is kind of their masterwork in terms of HUD design. Mm -hmm. No, but you know, and my counterpoint to people who say there's not enough to do in this game is that it's what you make of it. And what what uh, I played this game with Michael Wang a lot. Uh, and our our go-to thing every time we start is we drink until we vomit, then we catch the vomit in the bucket, and then we throw the vomit on each other. Yeah. That's a mini game that they never told us to do. Yeah. It's something you have to discover in the game. Another thing that's been going on in the community, because this game does have a pretty viable community. You know, it's a Game Pass game. It's There's a lot of things behind it where the scene's actually still kind of big. Uh, shout out to the Thirsty Thieves. They will pillage and gather treasure for days, and they, like, rotate who's on the boat so that they can keep piling up treasure. And then they'll, like, go to an island and spell out something, like, hi, rare, in, like, treasure and skulls. So there's, like, random things you can do in the game to make it more enjoyable, I, I think. Or at least there's emergent gameplay opportunities here. Yeah. Uh, the amount of stories I've told about Sea of Thieves this year is more than almost any other multiplayer game that I've played this year. And that's that's my counterpoint to people who say that there's not enough to do is that it's yeah, there's there's yeah, there's a limit of things that you can do, I but they've been adding stuff. But like, are there like maybe maybe it's less that there's a limit of things they can do and more that they gave you a really tight framework that is that is flexible. Mm -hmm. No, but then they, they've been adding stuff. Yeah. Like It's not that they're just ignoring this. Mm -hmm. Like they're. There's NPC boats. There weren't at launch. Mm -hmm. is this, this is a game that, you know what? Go look for the Shack News review of this. We didn't review it yet because it's like, it was hard to review that game at launch. Yeah. You know? Because there it's, wasn't it's, much there. Yeah. You know, it launched at now, $60. And uh, at least in my case, uh, my group was super excited to do this and we did play it. But we also had the issue where we had more than four of us a lot of times. And it was it's impossible to play with your group of friends. You can't That's, get on the same server. You can't. We can't make the fun we want to make with the tools we've been given because it's, it's so limiting. That's a problem that we're seeing not just in this game, but in some other multiplayer. Yeah, Battlefield games. is being garbage about that too this year. Yeah. You know, like, so it's like it, it's hurting Shack battles. This would have been a perfect Shack battle, exactly. If we could have had thirty-two people in it, mm -hmm. like ideal, but we can't. You know, so it it definitely. I, I understand the complaints, but I think. Uh, Oh, here you go. You, you have an example of an emergent event, the uh, the Kraken appearing. Uh, I think the Megalodon's another example of that. There's just, like, some cool things. Uh, yeah, the, the thing that, like, Bearwolf is saying is, like, he's like, well, yeah, I saw what it offered in four nights. It's like, I think because we have gamers that they dissect a game. And they go, okay, what can we do? Just these four things? All right, there's nothing to do next game. Because it's not like, because we live in a world where there are Overwatches and Fortnites and Battlefields where there's, you know, thousands of hours of repetitive gameplay you know that's 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 high tension and different, but and th but this was different. It wasn't like any of those games, and that's why I really liked it. You know, it wasn't an Overwatch. It wasn't a Call of Duty. It was like its own unique thing. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, if you look at it on a spreadsheet and break it all down, you're like, oh yeah, there's nothing to do. But that's when like the player versus player aspect 
comes into the channel. Like, look at DayZ. There was nothing to do in that game. It was, like, all player interaction that made that game interesting. You know what I mean? Like, no one really cared about the zombies in that game. I don't even think I ever saw a zombie in that game, but it was running into another player in that open world and wondering, oh, is he going to attack me? What does he have? Should we join forces? Like, it was that gameplay that made the game interesting, not the, not the zombies. You know what I mean? But Well, that's another thing I'd argue is, like, the combat, as far as you do with the skeletons and other players, the shooting is rough. The first-person yeah. combat is rough. Now, the ship-to-ship yeah. combat, that's where the magic is for me in this one. But to say that all the gameplay interactions in Sea of Thieves are solid, I can't get behind that. Uh, there's, no. you know... No, I, I agree with Chris. Like, the gunplay is not that great. Um, and, yeah, the enemies are kind of repetitive in that sense. Uh, but then there's, like... Yeah, there's, like, the on-the-boat stuff and then the off-the-boat stuff. Like, on land... This game is not that great. Mm-hmm. At sea, this game's pretty great. Yeah, I think that's the problem. But mm-hmm. then, like, I but I've also played for two and three hours at a time and never saw another boat, uh, which is also a bummer. That may have been a bugs when I'm playing, but yeah, <laughs> sometimes when you get tired of the repetitive quest and you do look for something to happen or go look for someone to attack and they just never show up and it's just well, well let's go play something else. I don't know how Daisy's fault that nobody shows fight zombies. I don't understand what Daisy has to do with no one showing up in the world when you're trying to play. Well, like that's what Daisy was. You needed other players to be to, for it to be interesting. And Arma, the Arma mod, like that's what you, that's what made the game interesting was the player the player play interaction. But I don't. Uh, this, but I don't the see how that the game is just stuff to do while you're trying to find other players. Right, but there's so many long spells where you don't find other players, and the stuff that you do. I can't speak for the, whichever version of Daisy you're playing, but. Uh, at least in Sea of Thieves, there I quit many nights just because couldn't find other people. It, At know, a certain point, I got tired like, of fetching bananas for the thirtieth time. It's it's funny because like I don't know I I've played I think I've probably played like five ten times more Sea of Thieves than you have this yeah. year, and I can't think of the last time I played where I didn't see a boat. Yeah, same here. So maybe just so, admittedly, I haven't played much in the last few months, but I played. Just under a hundred hours in the first month, and I mean, I don't know. It changed. Well, I, I, that's that's fair. And I, I I do think that this is a game, maybe next year, that we could say it's the most improved game of 2019, if they add fishing, because to me that's that's the most unforgivable thing about this game is that there's no fishing. Because how how are you going to have this wonderful boat and not be able to fish? Yeah. Yeah cast the line they said they were they they confirmed with us at e3 that yeah. they actually are adding fishing and oh no, they they've are. like talked to us multiple times and gave us an exclusive stream so that's like devs i like that i like when devs do that greg likes when devs give us access i'm with him there but that's not a reason to give him game of the year <laughs> no no no. i'm just um, saying it's just nice that they want to talk about i it. think not the baseline game that's here the foundation they've laid is excellent i think part of my frustration comes from the fact that I see what's been done. I like what's there, and I feel like I'm grasping out because I'm just short of what I think it could be there. And you know, going back again, I think the islands are incredibly simplistic. Not really much to do on them outside of you digging around with your stuff, and there's still no pirating in the game, which is another thing I still well, can't believe. When you say that, what do you mean? I mean, you have random NPC ships carrying goods and items that you stop and pillage, and then use that to you know. But like what pirates would do. I don't know. Like, I guess I play too much other pirate games. I'm not being clear. What I, why I'm confused is like, 
I just told you, like, Greg and I, our whole model, our business model as a boat. Right. Is attacking other pirates. Yeah. So it's like, oh, but what you're saying is you meant, like, you want, like. I would like it as an official gameplay mechanic that's not solely requiring a PvP or that you luck into a group that's got a load of stuff on their boat. I think they have added NPC boats now. The skeleton boats I've played in the first uh, expansion part. uh, Curse Sails, was that what it's called? That's right. Yeah. So it's, like I said, I I really think this is a game that, uh, I I, I hear you, Beowulf. I understand what Chris is saying now. He wanted civilian ships that you could just steal from. And I agree. That's something that. That's but what I think they've created, and I, I think I said this in our we wrote an impressions piece of the beta. It's like they created this canvas, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like a good canvas. Yeah, the framework now, they have is stupendous. Yeah, so I feel like they're it's not over for this game yet. Uh, <laughs> Fresh says he wanted Eve online, but with pirates. That may be next year. <laughs> may have to wait a little while. But uh, no, I. But Rare has said they committed. This is, you know, this is going to be a live game. Like, it's going to have legs. What it's going to be by the end of 2021, 2022 is completely different than what we have now. And that's exciting. You also had all the free updates, like a ton of free updates. Like, you don't have to pay for anything. Everything, you know, once you spend the $60, you're basically the whole whole $60 argument. I get it. $60 is a lot of money for a game, any game. Uh, But this is a Game Pass game, too. And we can talk about Game Pass another on another whatever stream or whatever, but you don't have to buy this for $60. You can pay $10 a month mm-hmm. and play it for a month for $10 and a hundred other games. Yeah. And then you get Forza and like a ton of other great things. Uh, so it's, I think that they, there's an option now to not buy it. Uh, but that, that's like I said, it's still, still costs money. That ship sailed for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you've already bought to play it, on words, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's tough. But for people who are still out there on the fence, I think Game Pass is a good way to end, to at least try it. it. It won't cost sixty. And like you brought up a thousand times this year, I one hundred percent agree. The water in this game is so dope; it hurts me oh, on the inside. <laughs> it's just gorgeous. There were like so many times I'm playing this game, I just stop and I'm like, "Wow, look at that water!" You know, and it's just. It's not just how, what it looks like; it's how the boat pitches and yaws, and like how it fills up with water when you have holes in it. Mm-hmm. It's some of the best water technology I've ever seen in the game, and it's like it's like a love letter to the Unreal Engine uh, in that sense. And I, you know, I love that balance of the cartoony look of it, but with the realistic water. It's just a very unique uh, looking game in that sense. But now, like, clearly. This game's going to be in my top five mm-hmm. for game of the year, uh, and it's it's really good. But uh, so I have to actually agree with Greg there a little. There's two <laughs> games in a row that I kind of agree with Brittany's Tetris Effect nomination. And All right, uh, before we run too long, we also have to talk to the Brady Games Beefcake, aka Guide Lord, aka Kevin Tucker. You played games supposedly in 2018, maybe that you didn't have to write guides for. What game are you playing? What do you like? What do we need to be talking about here? The main game I wanted to talk about tonight was uh, Hitman 2. Mm. Tell us it about my... Hitman 2. It's just lovely. Uh, everything about it. I 
I'm honestly completely enamored with it. I don't want to finish it because I'm worried that once I get to the end, I'll just never find anything enjoyable about games ever again. Wow. It's the truth. Uh, they they put together the levels in such a way where there's, you know, there's tons of different options to take out your targets or whatever. But even just watching people to see what they do, how they react to anything is it's kind of mesmerizing. Watching it as a mechanic unfold is it's kind of unlike anything I've ever played. And weirdly enough, it kind of reminds me of Super Meat Boy, which is one of my favorite games of all time. If you get something just right, everything else falls into place. Yeah, that's a good analogy. That really works. Um, I, 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 what I love about, I haven't played Hitman 2 yet, but I loved, what I loved about the last one and, and going all the way back to uh, Blood Money is that it is, you kind of have this like Rube Goldberg esque series of events that, man, when you pull everything off, kind of like what you said, Kevin, it's so satisfying to see a plan come to fruition. Absolutely. And of course, some of the plans that you can put together are completely outrageous. I didn't realize going in that it would be as funny as it was because Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really is funny. Yeah, I've seen some amazing gifts come out of this game. I love that you can hurl like a homing briefcase at people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure they intend that to be there, but that is. I think you have a bias on that one. I am biased, so I should probably not involved in this part of the discussion because yeah. I have a briefcase bias. Well, Beowulf makes an interesting comment uh, here in the chat that uh, this is a little bit, in a few ways, the antithesis to CFDs and that there are so many individual systems working within each other and so many, you know, infinite number of things that happen in a small part that you, you're probably not going to see all of them or may never interact if the kind that just runs through the game to get the check mark at the end of the level, you know, you're missing... 95% of the experience or more. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great case study in emergent gameplay. And they don't necessarily hold your hand either. You can, you can turn off all the HUD elements, or most of them, I think, and then just listen in on NPC conversations to see what people are talking about and what you should be doing next. Can, can you get into a porta potty with the subject at the same time and hang in the ceiling bat style? <laughs> I don't know, but you know, I'm willing to go in there and, and find out. That's the kind of attitude I like. That's the go-do, can-do attitude. I did kill someone via, via Swirly uh, in, in the demo, not to <laughs> <laughs> The like, You actually do have so the, the option to incapacitate them, and then I got the option to just straight-up kill them, just straight-up drown them in the toilet, and I'm just like, I'm going to drown this guy. And I did. And it It's not ideal, but, you know, it was uh, fun to do. I just I can't get over any time that I you know you take someone's clothes or or you poison them so they have to go puke and then while they're puking you just forcefully drown them in a toilet. It feels so raw. It says a lot about your upbringing. I think there's a lot of people who have issues to play this game. Yeah, it's better they take them out in the game. Psychopath. I will say I that you, I hate you. You're not my father, and I drowned him in a toilet. Jesus. <laughs> okay. And I'd also add, uh, I can't I speak. That guy from high school. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everyone is letting it all Break loose it all now. Out. I don't know how you said it. Right? <laughs> Hitman 2 just saved that dude's life. Yep. You know, Unintended therapy. Out. Toward the comparison to Sea of Thieves, it's also, 
it's kind of the inverse in a sense because it's it's yep. offline. Well, I mean, you can play it online, obviously, but the core of the game is offline. So it's really up to you to find what you want to do. It's not something that you would necessarily involve anyone else with. And to me, that's immensely appealing because I guess I'm weird. I just don't care to play with other players most of the time. And none of us really want to be around you ever. So that works out well. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> This is exactly what we were saying about like Sea of Thieves is that like on paper, yeah, you can just go up and shoot this guy in the head and then run out and that's the game. But like it's the underlining stuff that makes it interesting, The you know, the challenging stuff. I think that the, does the Hitman too, Kevin, do, do, do those have the assassinations that the other one had? The reboot? Pretty much that, like, everything you... that was in the first game is also in the second game. Yeah, because those are great. Like, those were great in the first game. Just, like, having trying to mimic someone's, like, how did they do this? Or, like, meeting challenges was really fun and, like, kept people playing a long time. Mm. And anything that lets you kill Sean Bean is an A+. No, he dies. He's always dying. dies too much. He dies in a very colorful way in the, uh, what is the elusive contract, they call it? Yeah, they started up a new elusive contract, I think, in the last couple days. Uh, I don't know about the console version, but I know that at least for the Steam PC version that if you own the first Hitman uh, game from 2016, it will allow you to go back through all that content in the upgraded engine for two, which is oh. incredibly appealing to someone like me that did not get through the first game. And yeah. uh, I'm happier than a pig and slop to be able to double fist this over the break. That's awesome. You can absolutely do that on the console. If you have the the first game, you get all the first missions. If you have the goatee edition of the first game, you get the goatee missions, the legacy pack, I think they call it. Ooh. Or you can buy them all for 20 bucks, which is basically the cost of the gold edition of Hitman 2. More than fair. And you should be able to find the goatee edition pretty cheap in the next couple of weeks because everybody's mm -hmm. doing holiday sales and all that. So. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I believe the goatee edition of the first game was just recently one of the feature choices in the Humble Bundle, so you would have got it and a pile of other games for 11 bucks or whatever it is. Uh, that's kind of the going price when the first one goes on sale on the PC, so insane amount of content and gameplay and fun for very little dollar, if that's your ultimate measure of, you know, your entertainment time or whatever. There's also, like, the... I mean, I remember watching gameplay. Ozzy, I think it was your gameplay, where you walk around in a flamingo outfit and just, like, murdered people. I do remember that, and that was actually part of the uh, online two-player mode, which is... Which is really interesting the way they designed that because they basically took the competitive uh, competitive element and decided we're just going to make it as close to the single player as possible. But it's a little more interesting because you're going through all the same steps that you are in the, in the single player. But if the other guy gets ahead of you on the score, you're suddenly like wanting to you know push things along. You're like, okay, is this guy going to stop talking now? And eventually, like if you decide to rush it, you're going to make a mistake. So it's really interesting, like. The, how you have to balance, you know, going quick and like getting things done, like in a timely manner and also like managing the hitman mechanics and like making sure everything goes smoothly. It's actually, I really like the way they designed the multiplayer around this, this time around. Well, I'll add on the technical side. I'm only a few hours into the deal, but I've messed with the last one and the development team at IO, uh, the first game was kind of, Notorious on PCs for not running very well. It was one of the first games to use the DirectX 12 render. But this new sequel, even if you've got modest hardware, you can crank it all the way up to Ultra. The game is butter smooth, runs on a wide configuration of hardware, and looks just as good or better than the uh, the previous game. You know, so kudos to the the team that took the time for the optimizations and all that. 
And I believe the game now runs at 60 FPS on the console versions as well, if I'm not mistaken. At least on the PS4 Pro it does. I'm sure it does on the X as well, since it's even more powerful. But the always nice to have. Console. <laughs> the most. Console. Console. But, uh, oh, that's cool. No, I, I need to... I need to get into both of these games more than I have. Yeah, this is one I plan on jumping into again for our regular happy hour streams. We've done it a couple times, and it has been a hoot each time. And, you know, you just never know what's going to happen, which is always great. It's been pretty common on the chatty uh, where we see a thread about Hitman 2, something funny happening in it. Yeah. Uh, so it's been it's <laughs> cool to see this be mentioned in our Game of the, the Year discussion. Well, let's see, uh, Ozzy, we uh, need to hear from you. What what do we need to be putting our machines and, and hitting the button on? What is 2018 for you? Uh, for me, it's Marvel Spider-Man. Really? And yes. Never heard of it. Smash. Uh, Smash is a very close second. Okay. But for me, uh, out of all the games I played this year, and there's nothing I wanted to go back to more than Spider-Man, just because the way they've designed New York is so beautiful like it's such it looks so huge and the way you get around is just so satisfying just the the traversal elements are like feel almost perfect like it's so smooth it goes moment it goes moment to moment like i i love how quickly you can get around new york and i love how quickly you can get from place to place and they do offer you a fat it's one of the first games of this size where they offer you a fast travel option and you're just like Wait, why am I taking a fast travel? I can just I can just swing there like and still be there in like a couple minutes. I want to just swing across the town. I want to see everything. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I've had a game like that and it's been a while since I've seen a Spider-Man game like that. It's been I think a while. the last really good Spider-Man game like this was I want to say Spider-Man 2 yeah. from uh Dream back Ca- when uh, back when Treyarch did. Not Treyarch. Neversoft. You had the dual Neversoft, that's mechanic. the one. Yeah, and plus like they're I've played good Spider-Man stories. Like uh, I was, I was a big fan of uh, Shattered Dimensions back when Act- Activision and Beanox did that. But this is not just a good cinematic Spider-Man story. It's a great Peter Parker story. Like it's, it's probably one of the best store, best uh, single Spider-Man stories that I played in a long time. That includes almost anything I've seen out of the movies, outside of like Homecoming and uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is out today. You all should go see that. And it's just, like, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but I felt I came away with a feeling really good about all the characters. I wanted to get to know get to know uh, a lot more of the villains, a lot more of the uh, a lot more of the supporting cast. Maybe not so much Mary Jane, but a lot more about Miles and a lot more about Peter. And kind of like to do the whole the whole struggle with uh, with uh, Mister Negative and and everyone. But it's. I don't. I don't know how much more I can add to uh, to the whole Spider-Man thing, but for me, out of every game I review, I didn't even review this. Like I actually played this on my own, and it was a game that even once I was finished with it, I wanted to go back and I wanted 100 percent it. And it's been a long time since I've had a game that I've wanted 100 percent. And just just that this has that replay value for me is like I I don't know what else I can say about it. Well, it's also, it's interesting because the game, most games have a creative director. Do you know how many games have an executive creative director as well as, not very many. And this one had an executive creative director. That was pretty (laughs) rare, I thought, for the game too, which is kind of, maybe it made it better. 
and you get a lot of good stories coming out of this like out of the moment to moment gameplay like out of like missions going wrong or like maybe you find something really cool with photo mode and maybe you find something that uh in like like an easter egg in one of the missions or you found something in one of the backpacks or you found something in one of the many 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 side things that you can do in new york and i definitely enjoy that aspect of the game as well would you this think for like spider-man what batman arkham did for batman when it first came out i would say yes i'd say there's a lot of dna from uh, the arkham games and a lot of the dna from like uh, Spider-Man 2. And the fact that they fuse those two games together is just honestly the best thing for me. Like the combat is just so silky smooth and there's so many different ways you can take guys out and including like all of uh, Spider-Man special abilities. I mean, I've I've mainly stuck with the with the one where you just like web everyone up instantly, but there's there's like, you know, electric shocks and there's jits and there's a uh, and there's a couple things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to fight, and I love experimenting with the combat as well. It just graphically is so damn impressive. It really does come off come come off like a Spider-Man movie more yeah. than any other Spider-Man game that came before it. Yeah, you know, touching the uh, what I look at when I see this game, and I mean this is the highest compliment. The fluidity of the movement and the way he reacts to to any surface you touch. It reminds me of. Uh, the parkour style movement in infamous like yes that level of fluid it's great and apparently really hard to master because i've gotten to some of the side missions uh, once you unlock the taskmaster side missions there's there are there are side missions that make you tr uh go from place to place in like a certain amount of time to get the gold in that to get like to get like a to go to whatever it is it's so hard and you have to master like master being able to like just stop on a like go on a dime and like just like hit x the moment you land so that nothing gets interrupted it encourages you to completely master all of the traversal elements and it's a lot harder than it looks to be honest okay. well i want to touch on what you mentioned about uh movement through the city and all that uh this game I don't think it's hyperbole to say that as far as the traversal, getting between the things, swinging, just the movement of Spider-Man is fluid and polished to the point, uh, I would say Nintendo quality even, at least in that it's, particular part of the game. It's It's smooth. nice to have an open world Spider-Man again, and one that does it right. I mean, I, I thought that the Activision, like, you know, the Activision Spider-Mans were okay. I, I actually did like Shattered Dimensions a lot. But it really is. This really is like the first open world Spider-Man that has been this good and this fun to move around since Spider-Man Two. And even Spider-Man Two hasn't really aged all that well. So having a modernized like take on 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 web movement is just so satisfying. This game also has, on a technical side, some of the best motion blur I've ever seen. But that's kind of par for the course for uh, Insomniac. Ratchet and Clank from a couple years ago was the best of the year in that part, and I guess this is an evolution of that same engine. Have you jumped the on same Sunset things. Overdrive since it came out on Steam? Yes, I have. Uh, yeah. Just to see, because I want to know how this engine would work on a PC, and it pissed me These off because I now know that Spider-Man can run easily on anybody's PC at 60 FPS. Yeah, yeah. Just what Insomniac has done is just incredible, and they deserve all the pats on the back. And I was very disappointed when they got shut out of the Game Awards, and you know they they put together a masterpiece. And I I'm glad that more people are playing it. I was happy to see my Twitter timeline just 
completely filled with Spider-Man for about like a month, like mm-hmm. after it came out. And it's, you know, it's great to see. And it's great to see that it, there's a, there's something to fill the void of the Batman game since it doesn't look like we're ever getting an Arkham game again. So yeah. Spider-Man's a hoot, y'all. I'm I'd like to, to add that it's just weekend. Insomniac. Yeah, Insomniac does everything they can to make everything feel as polished as possible. There was a story online about how whenever you get voice communications, someone calls you in the game. If you're actually swinging around the world, uh, Spider-Man will sound exhausted, like he'll be huffing. But if you're standing still, then he speaks normally. So the person who voiced him, I'm the voice actor guy. Yeah, they've had to do remember. multiple takes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the power yeah, I... of the executive creative director. <laughs> Yeah, it's an almost uh, Red Dead level of detail, attention to detail. It does yeah. speak to like how much, to like how little pressure that Sony put on them to like have something out. Like Sony let them take their time on this because I remember we've been seeing trailers for this game for years, and it's also like God of uh, same like God of War is that there was a long production time, and lending that extra time actually does mean a lot, and it leads to a much better final product. And you yeah, can see the effect it had on Microsoft where it almost looks like they are scrambling to acquire studios because this year and last year they have been so light on uh, just game old, just game ass games uh, that are straight up for their console. You know, you can tell that uh, Sony's dedication to supporting these teams and putting out these products this year and last year uh, has made an effect, you know, on the industry uh, on a wide level, I guess. I think it's more, I think it's not like, you know, oh, they let them take their time, but more like Mr. Mouse really wanted to make sure the Spider-Man game was not subpar, which is ironic because there's like a lot of shitty Marvel mobile games, but like there haven't really been a lot of console games lately. And because they 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 want to play those really close to the chest with their whole MCU and their cinematic universe, they want to make sure everything's on par with that quality, you know? But the mouse like had nothing to, to do with Dad of Boy or MLB. Yeah, I'd like to see how much production time uh, Ultimate Alliance 3 gets. And what oh, that man. leads to, mm-hmm. but that's another Who's... that's another conversation for another day. I'm so excited for that Switch exclusive. Yeah, that's insane. That's that was so <laughs> crazy. I was like, cool, I can't wait to play it on Xbox. Oh wait, <laughs> but yep. Switch is fine. Switch is still. It's Hope still you don't fun. mind playing it on the toilet. And how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Switch is fine, says Greg Bird. <laughs> Seven wow. Out of 10. Seven out of ten. Nintendo Switch. <laughs> draw distance. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna play this game this weekend, Ozzy, because uh, you will not be disappointed. It looks so good. This is the kind of game I need. Like Red Dead feels like I'm doing taxes. This looks fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, Ozzy, did you know that you can also turn off the QT uh, the QTEs, you can which is the, the best time part time. of the game. I was yes. so glad to be able to go through the boss encounters and all this stuff without having to do that garbage. Uh, just so I get back to swinging. I had issues exactly. with this game with some of the structure and part of things you do. It does fall into some of the open world traps, although it does better versions of those things we've seen in other games. But uh, the fact that it usually did a pretty strong job of letting me get back to swinging around and just being Spider-Man, I have to give him a lot of credit for. Uh, you know, outside of the parts where I had to be Mary Jane. Okay, Sorry. yeah. It's not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did not get a 10 out of 10. Um, but no, I'm I'm giving this a good look this weekend before I put in my top 10 of the year. Yeah, you can't tell the story of 2018 without Spider-Man. I mean, basically, that's... No. Yeah, this is a game that deserves to be mentioned in our top 10, most likely. And I just know from our staff, 
I know Donovan's not here today, but he would probably be uh, echoing a lot of what Ozzy's saying right now. Yeah, Donovan's. We made Donovan's E3 by telling him, "Yeah, go get hands on with Spider Man." <laughs> That's right. Oh man, and just like seeing like Central Park and Columbus Circle, like they did an amazing job recreating New York City. Yeah, up close the pop in is suboptimal, but as Ozzy mentioned at the top of his uh, lead in, when you're on top of these buildings, this is the first open world game where you see everything through a distance. There's not a layer of yellow or a white fog that's cutting off the draw distance and the detail. Like you see all these individual skyscrapers, the windows are there. I'm sure there's all sorts of tricks they're doing to keep things smooth, but just standing on yeah. top of a building in this game and looking in any direction in the city and it's doesn't seem real the first few moments that you're in it just because of how far you can see into the distance. It's definitely not fallout. Wow. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Okay, so Ozzy said his piece. Bill said his piece. Kevin said his. Brittany said his. Asif, what do, you, what do you have to say about David, anything? Is, does oh, yeah, we need, we need, he's, his opinion doesn't count. All right, what's your yeah. opinion, David, since you're here? Uh, on my game of the year? Yeah. I think I gave it at the top. I talked a lot about Celeste. Yeah. Um, I know I've been, I pulled for Ash in a lot of our other conversations, and really kind of all week, is we've been preparing our game of the year mm-hmm. lists. Um, I've been going back and forth in my brain over Ashen and Celeste. I, I think I talked myself back into uh, well, putting Celeste back in the number one spot. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to say a piece for, for Ashen. That's a game that released during the game awards uh, and is a kind of a souls like, but also a lot of its own thing. Um, I was playing more of it last night, and Asif, I think you really need to play this game because yeah, a lot of the the exploration uh, has a, a Breath of the Wild vibe, mm-hmm. as, as does the world design. I think it's it's a great Souls like for people like me who who played thousands of hours of that series, but who also maybe are new to those sorts of games and have or maybe have been put off by them because of the difficulty. I think Ashen can be tough. But one way it distinguishes distinguishes itself from Souls and Bloodborne is um, you have a partner almost constantly. Yeah. And the multiplayer is seamless and, and passive, a lot like Journey, where uh, you might be running around with uh, an AI control companion, and then all of a sudden another player will jump in and be in control, and you can go off and have all sorts of adventures. Uh, the art style is also beautiful. It looks like they they animated and and filled uh, construction paper. It's just a really unique look that is has kind of a Dark Souls vibe, a Breath of the Wild vibe, but it's also really its own deal. Um, down to their, their themes, like you'll notice that all characters are faceless, and that's because the characters you're seeing, character you, you see in front of you might not be that character. It might be someone else who, who takes control. Uh, so there's a lot of interchangeability in terms of uh, just player interaction. Um, it's it's just a really great game. It's immersive. I've also kind of reached the point where as, as much as I love video games in general, Souls-like have kind of spoiled me. They're, they're the platformers of this phase of my life. If anything is remotely similar to Dark Souls, I will play it and I will love it. And uh, Ashen is just fantastic. And it's also on Game Pass. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, I mean, actually, it's only a $40 game, so the entry is is really not that much compared to most games. But um, 
if if this is something you're on the fence about, just sign up for Game Pass and you can play it on PC or Xbox. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, so here's you know, that's I need to play that game. I actually bought it for Epic on the Epic Game Store. Same. So I'm gonna play yeah. it on PC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of moving on to I guess my game of the year vote. Um, a lot of my top five were mentioned by other people. Uh, so Sea of Thieves, mm-hmm. Celeste, Tetris, Tetris Effect. Right. Um, one game, and I kind of want to just speak on behalf of indies in general. I think this was an outstanding year for indie games, like one of the best ever. I think Nintendo Switch has been a huge boon for indie developers. I think what we're seeing with uh, we what we're seeing with uh, Epic Game Store, Discord now. Uh, all these different stores popping up to give indies more money for their sales. I just I think this is really a big year for indies. You you and I talked a lot about on the Shackcast that we probably played and enjoyed more indie games this year yeah. than than AAA games. Oh, by far. Uh, so I want to actually shout out three indies that are most likely actually four that'll mo- most likely be on my top ten. Just Shapes and Beats is outstanding. One of the best gameplay mechanic games I've played in a long time. Super minimal. Uh, Subnautica, which came out earlier this year for PC. It's now out on console. It's free on Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. It's a damn good indie game. Uh, survival kind of game. Really immersive. Really fun. Um, Minute, M-I-N-I-T, is just super unique. You know, it's a it's a game that you literally play one minute at a time. It it looked like um, so it's a black and white like top down style game that that gave me Link's Awakening vibes mm-hmm. in the Game Boy. Yeah, and like you you can progress, but you literally play one minute at a time, and I think that's a very uh, impressive, different take on gameplay. Uh, so I, I I'm I'm looking at these things and kind of. Uh, you know, I, I'm willing to give them more of a benefit of the doubt than most years. And then the last indie I want to mention, and Beowulf actually mentioned it in chat, Dead Cells. That's a damn good game. That's a game I'll play for years. I'm not done with that game. The only reason I put it down is I had to play other games. Uh, Just Shapes and Beats is a game where like, I finished it and I was done. Dead Cells? I'm not done. No. You know, and like, I, just look at all that stuff you can unlock. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think Dead Cell should be in in this discussion. It's one of the best design games I've played in a long time. And I don't, I'm not like super into Metroidvanias like a lot of other people. And I'm not really into roguelikes either. And this is both. Yeah. And I love it. And it's it, it comes back to the gameplay and also the, the loop. It's an excellent gameplay loop. And it's it's enjoyable. You feel rewarded at times. This game also tells a story without shoving it in your face. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a it's a video game ass video game, and deserves high praise for this. So I really think, out of all the you know, I, I butt heads with Chris on his reviews sometimes when he wants to give them a ten. This is the one where I'm like, yeah, this is pretty damn close. Uh, you know, we didn't have an elbows too pointy argument here. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, I think it's it's amazing for me that in a year where you had 
God of War, which no one mentioned today. And Red Dead, which I'm not mentioning. Infobiter, I'm playing it. I'm like suffering through Red Dead, but I'm not, it's not my game of the year. Um, there's a lot of indies that are making my, my top 10. In, in fact, kind of uh, on a point that Beowulf Schaefer made uh, about a lot of uh, older indie games mm-hmm. finding new life on Switch, I'll tell you this. If it were eligible, Hollow Knight would be my game of the year. That a lot of people, and I know, I know, you played it last year. But, you did. Uh, but it's Chris. Chris is the one who's groaning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. But last year, Zelda came out, so that can't be helpful. Yeah. But, uh, man, Hollow Knight, I love that game. And that that's a perfect example. Games like Hollow Knight and Super Meat Boy, Finding New Life on, mm-hmm. on Switch. But, yeah, um... I, if we're shouting out indies, can I shout out for Guacamelee 2? Because that game is awesome. That game yeah, is a absolutely. lot of fun. Yeah. I really think this is, it's not just this year, but the last few years have been amazing for indies. And I just think that for me, like some of the most important things in a game of the year, it has to be fun and it has to have replay value. And these games that I'm mentioning all have that, you know? Just Shapes and Beats, it has like online multiplayer yeah. and couch co-op, you know, like, and then it tells a story without shoving it in your face, which is like a huge thing for me. Um, but yeah, like, I, I really think that this is, this is the kind of year where an indie game could be our game of the year. And I wouldn't be mad about that. I feel like there's no longer a stigma attached to it to where, oh, this is an indie, like, I know we still designate him that, but in my eyes... It's all yeah. level playing field now. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, we designate them as indie, not to take them down a peg, but actually to compliment them. Like you did this with like a razor thin budget and like the fear of of the company going to zero. Well, so here's the thing about <laughs> what I love about indies, and this has been true for a long time, but it really came to the fore for me with um, Amnesia: The Dark Descent eight years ago. I looked at indies to innovate. And I look to AAA to iterate. And I don't think either is a bad thing. But, you know, AAA, they're kind of um, weighted down by the fact that they are AAA. They mm-hmm. can't take risks because they could lose a lot of money. So, you know, you look at what happened to a series like Resident Evil. It, it incorporated more and more action elements until the, it just completely went off the rails. Even Capcom admitted 6 was a disaster. You juxtapose that against a game like Amnesia the Dark Descent, which was like, you know what? I don't have to sell a billion units. I'm going to innovate. And indies are still carrying that that on. They're just they're more willing to to take risks because it's not it, in a lot of cases, not all cases, but it's it's not a make or break scenario for them. Mm-hmm. And well, I, so I really think we're in a position where not only are indie games so fantastic, but you can kind of look to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like Chris. I think the playing field is even. But if we were to delineate, I look to indies for innovative and new ideas. And I look to AAA to kind of, well, I don't know. Most of the AAA games I look forward to tend to be sequels, and I think there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, 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 even though it makes no sense saying it out loud, uh, Battle Royale had been a thing you could do for a while before PUBG, which technically was an indie, uh, right. you know, made its breakthrough. And now every AAA publisher is offering their iteration on that, uh, for better or worse, you know, whatever. Uh, 
Sometimes they just want to see it demonstrated that people will spend the money. They're not, they just, they can't, I guess, you know, assume the risk of something not being a global mega hit. I think Infobiter is making a good point in chat about how AAA has the money to innovate when they do. So occasionally you'll have a game that does something brand new in the AAA realm. And it's only cap- they're only capable of doing that because they have the funding. Right. But imagine if that game tanks, the- all those people might get laid off and the company might go under. And that genre will die. And yeah. knowing AAA, even if it doesn't tank, they still may get laid off. How yeah. great is it, though, that... I, I, I just saw something in, in the gameplay for Dead Cells that I absolutely love. Those doors where you're 30 seconds late. Oh, yeah. Open. Uh, yeah, man. I love that mechanic. <laughs> you can take your own pace, but you can also choose to get good. Yeah. Like, I love the ticking clock, you know? It's my favorite thing. Like, it's why I watch that stupid show 24 so much. But, like, Dead Cells has that, like, sense of urgency while you're playing it. But at the same time, you can play it however you want to. Uh, but, no, I, I, I really think this game stands... It's it's one of the most outstanding indie games I've played in a long time. Yeah, it's great. I'd uh, argue so- that it uh, nothing's ever perfect, but as far as a side scrolling uh, side scrolling combat presented any type of game, this is the new high water mark by yep. an insane margin. Just how smooth, how so many different weapons. Uh, this is a game that kind of forces you early on to play styles that you're not comfortable with, just because you're at mercy of what gets dumped out onto you. And that it all works so well and that you can come up with so many different ways to do basically this. The game is not long. Like you can tear through this thing in five to 10 minutes if you are really awesome and know what you're doing. But that there's so many different ways to go about it with the different weapons and all of them feel as smooth as the next. And the synergies between the skills and the items is superb. Like I love Hollow Knight, but uh, I feel like it uh, succeeds based on its exploration and the way it values the map. And I mean, I like its combat. Last year, I thought, yeah, this is really dope. But uh, I feel like, you know, just the combat itself from a side-scroller in Dead Cells is just on a whole other level. There are fewer things I've found more satisfying this year than getting into a, a flow state mm-hmm. in Dead Cells. You know, where you're mm-hmm. just moving When you're kicking ass. You're just kicking Well, ass. you get yeah. the bonus for the kills. It speeds your character up, and it just it's keeps yeah. snowballing. When you're playing Doom 2016 yes. and you're just ripping and tearing through a level. Especially with Berserk. Like, right? Oh, man. Yeah, when you're just yeah. punching guts out of people. Yeah. It's the same feeling you have once you get the Master Sword. Right. And you're just wrecking. Like, there's a moment in Breath of the Wild where you're not running away anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like Dead Cells has that, too, because you're always leveling up your build. Well, I think your point about Doom 2016 is interesting because, like Doom, Dead Cells is all about push forward. Mm-hmm. motion you don't want to you don't want to pause you don't yeah. break you want to just move mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i I'm, I'm i'm with chris like as far as 2d combat goes uh man this game is just smooth yeah so no i i didn't want this uh chat to go by without us giving some serious props to dead cells and in in my top 10 list it's it's up there. I don't know that we've heard. Uh, I know Chris was a big fan of this game, but I don't think he has uh, backed his horse. Yeah, he has not. I, I guess he's saving himself for last. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm still in some ways unsure of my horse, although if I, I had a half horse, we're talking about it right now. Yeah, I, no, I feel the same way. Like, my top five games, I, nah, my top four games are interchangeable. Like, I, I really, I, 
Tetris Effect Celeste, Dead Cells, Sea of Thieves. Yay, yay. Ask me on Sunday night. Right. Yeah. On Monday, I may give you a different answer than I give you on Friday. Uh, yeah. But that's why we're having this discussion. We're going to get ideas. I could suddenly come to have a come to Jesus moment for Spider-Man, you know, and yeah. it could be my game of the year on Monday. <laughs> I actually had to dump two games off of my 10 list uh, as I finished up my sessions last night playing some. We've had some late arrivers that I did not expect in 2019. Uh, David, for you, obviously, Ashen, which one I haven't played yet, so I can't speak to, but it's, yeah. you know, no surprise the uh, impression that's made on you in a short time. And then, uh, I want to throw out here uh, another indie game that is just released uh, officially this week, although it's been in early access for a bit. Me and my group of friends, uh, we played a lot of Arma, we play a lot of Battlefield, and uh, there's a new one called Insurgency Sandstorm, which is looks like every other game you ever played, you know, first-person military combat. This one at least appears to be, you know, semi-tactical and all that, and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, it it's offers co-op and PvP like modes. Rainbow Six type of shooter. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's got elements of that, but it also has what I didn't expect is so much stupid fun and wild moments I wasn't expecting. Not necessarily uh, an emerging gameplay style like you'd see in Sea of Thieves or whatever, but just uh, the the way the systems work together means that you never really are sure what's going to happen. It's got an incredible shooting model that I would put up against anything that I've played ever. Uh, it has no crosshair of any type like there's no rectangle on the screen uh hud's real simplistic as you run around with the gun the barrel flails around as you run and if you trigger can be pulled at any time your finger's always in the trigger and blind firing in that game is crazy and that it can sometimes work out and sometimes you shoot a cartoon style silhouette around the guy in front of you and it's got ai which is unlike anything i've played in a first person game in years and years and years like it does stuff, just real sneaky bullshit like camping and hiding in corners and things that you would only expect human players to do. And I had a few guys in my group that were playing with us for their first runs after we raved about it. And they did not know until we were talking about it the next day. They did not know we were not playing against human players. They assumed we were in PvP the entire time through our co cooperative runs that we were doing online. That's cool. And uh, it's just well done game uh it's got issues it's still feels early access in a lot of ways but i wanted to toss it out here is a late arriver that uh people that have played like you mentioned rainbow six some armor players squad uh maybe if battlefield's a little too arcadey for you uh look up insurgency sandstorm also for my fans of soldier of fortune and soldier of fortune 2 there's gibbon there's dismemberments and ooh boy lots of fun stuff like that just wanted to throw that out there not for game of the year, but please check this out if that's you know up your alley. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's gonna be a Nintendo list top ten for me this year. What about Smash? I don't know. Tell me about it's, Smash, Ozzy. I want to I, fall in love. You, you know that's a good point. Smash is that. You, you gotta put Smash up there. Yeah, you're right. Let's it, talk about too it. many good games, man. Like, what am I gonna do? Drop I've, God of I've War. I've done this to you twice now, and I was like, "What about shapes and beats?" Yeah, and you were quiet for like two seconds. And you were like, "Oh shit!" But yeah, like <laughs> I have, I had this like top ten that I showed David like a week ago. And he goes, "But what about just shapes and beats?" Now Ozzy's like, "What about Smash?" I'm, like, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm so fucked. You're already forgetting Smash and like its big campaign and like just the fact that it's Smash and it's still like one of the easiest games to pick up and play. Like it's. I, I, I wouldn't even think of forgetting Smash. Smash is my number two behind Spider-Man, to be honest. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'll, I'm going to have to think about it some more, but yeah, like it is excellent. It's the best smash ever. It's the best Nintendo game to come out this year. I think, uh, about Mario tennis, Mario tennis is great, but this is better. Okay. Like I, I love Mario tennis aces and I, I fought for it in some of our other deliberations for the Shaq news awards. Uh, but no, this is, I, I, I'm calling this the greatest video game crossover of all time. It really is. Like, (laughs) how do you beat it? Yeah. Also, probably one of the best soundtracks I've heard in such a long time. Not just because they've got a lot of the original uh, tracks in there, but the new remixes that they've made are just um, incredible. Like, you you, you got to hear this stuff. Yep. Oh, man, the F-Zero music. It's like this reminded me of how great the F-Zero soundtrack is. It's like orchestral F-Zero music. Oh, <laughs> like, F- are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. F-Zero. Those are the levels in uh, Mario Kart, right? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> One of these days, guys, they're going to announce an F-Zero for Switch. And I'm just going to sh- be your day. It'll be a national holiday <laughs> at Shack News. We won't have to go to work for like a week. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> it's like, well, then you have to eat your hat from The Last Guardian still. That was like three years ago. That's old, that's, that's old news. <laughs> See, he doesn't want to eat his hat, though. Oh, man, we're seeing some... You know, and then you got Breath of the Wild Link in this. It's just so good. Ozzy, I'm curious, like, who do you play Smash with? Uh, like, once the campaign's done, like, are you still playing it? Or, like, do you have people to play with it? Or I am playing online. And how is it? Online has gotten a lot better. But, like, how many... Like, okay, so, like, I can play with, like, a four-frame delay on fighters. Anything right. more than six frames, I can't play. Is it worse than six frames? Not from my experience. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't having that. I, I had some hiccups last night, right? You know, because I was playing after the patch. Uh, you know, they they announced the patch like late last night, and I think a bunch of people jumped on to try it out after that. I really think they're dealing with just scaling issues that most games of its of its scope would have to deal with. Well, well I, remember, I remember. I remember. I- Got it on the Wii U, and like I just you just couldn't play online. It was so bad, and I was just no, like, okay, this sucks. I don't know what you were playing, but Wii U online was great for me. Yeah. But at the same time, the install base for Wii U is a lot less than it is on Switch. Switch has a much bigger install base, mm-hmm. even like a week after launch. What is a Wii U? It's actually right here on my desk. It's that tablet That's- for the Wii. That I loved. It's the beta hardware for the Switch that everyone bought. N- Nintendo will also no tell you what is a Wii U. I we don't know what that is. That never happened. <laughs> Wii U sold what, like six million units in its entire life? Yeah. 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 So it's not like everybody bought. No, which, which actually like, Switch I, is going to do that this month by itself. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get off on a tangent here, but I would put Switches for our uh, Wii U's first party lineup against Sony and Microsoft's at the time and choose Wii U. I love that we're getting a lot of that Wii U first party lineup on Switch. I, I love know. that we got uh, Tropical Freeze this year. I, I, I'm getting that. I want Captain Toad. I'm going to buy a new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe next month. I'm in. I'm I'm with Blake in that um we're just missing Mario Maker. Yeah, yeah I want Mario Maker super bad. I like, would buy um, I would buy Mario 3D World again. That's an excellent game. Yeah, Switch is the I, king I of buying the game you already bought before. They're doing new Super Mario Brothers U before they're doing Mario 3D World. That's kind of weird. 
Wait, what did you say, it's Chris? You're buying a game that? Wait, have you not had seen the Switch? That's the all, that's all the yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the King of Ports and/or shit I bought yeah. last time. Correct. They do have good Nintendo games though, but there are a lot of ports in the system. But then you also. That's have why games, Mario like, XCOM and Odyssey are the best because I didn't have to play them two years ago. I don't think that's necessarily a con. Ask Indies how nah, they feel about con. ports on Switch. Yeah, like ask. Oh, I don't care games. about their balance sheet. I care about the fun I have on my own. It's not oh, my job to. I can play books. with six players. That's awesome. I love. Yeah, yeah, I love my Switch. So like, there's there's things that you can do. Like I don't know. Just if you look at Indies this year, you know, which we we've interviewed a ton of them at PAX or GDC wherever. What was the refrain, Greg, for releasing on platform? Switch and Steam. Switch and Steam. Right. Yeah. Because it's no longer PlayStation and Xbox make it. I love that we have the choice. I love that. They're not even messing with Xbox because no one's buying indies on those platforms. Well, I, they're buying well, on Switch and they're buying them on Steam. Or no, now you, Epic Games. Yeah. Having had to launch games on, like indie games on both of those platforms in the past, on Xbox One, on Xbox 360, and on the PlayStation 4, like you, they give you a thick document of. Uh, pretty much like a thick document full of a checklist of things that you have to have like done in your game in order for it to go gold on those platforms, and it's rather tedious. I well, feel like Nintendo has probably streamlined that in a lot of ways. Um, more so than in their past, they used to be pretty draconian about that stuff. Yeah, they made it easier. Yeah, uh, the tool sets yeah. available are also better. much better. Yeah, I, I don't really care about their balance sheet either. My point was, for me, I haven't bought that many ports on Switch. Most of the games I have on that are, are new. But I will consider ports because I look at the portability as kind of a new angle to a lot of games mm-hmm. that I loved. Uh, you know, the the Switch version of Dark Souls really is not the best. It's it's a port of the 2011 game with the quality of life improvements of, of remastered on PS4 and Xbox One. But the fact that I was able to take it to my brother-in-law's house over the weekend and play that was just kind of a you know a new dimension to to enjoying a game I played for years. Yeah, that's also like yeah. but I, I, it's not that I care about the balance sheets of indies, but if you like a game, you don't want that company to go bankrupt the next week. You know, so it's like they spend all this time to release their game on Xbox One and PS4, and then they die. Right. You know, or they get yeah. lost in Steam. Yeah, they and they don't get support. Year, Nintendo this year has actively promoted indies at almost every convention. They've had an yeah. indie section. You know? Because they only actively promoted two of their own games all year. But it doesn't matter, dude. Well, this is, like, did, did Sony spend that much time yeah. on, no. their, on, on promoting any indies this year? No, and it's, pulling, it's like pulling teeth. Get The only indie like, I've heard from Sony, from Sony is Belunky. Oh, I don't, I don't blame the developers at all. It's no, I'm just saying, like, it's it's like, not a... I'm just saying that it's a, Switch is a good thing for indies. And, like, yeah. what's happening is going to be good for indies in the long run. But I just think there's a shift that occurred in January of this year when everyone saw Matt make games. And he Matt makes games. And they made... I think it was something like 60% of their sales, or 70%, came from Switch. Mm-hmm. Every, indie, every indie was like, exactly. They are like, huh. This is something where we should maybe not waste our time trying to compete with God of War and yeah. all those great PlayStation titles. 
or Look at or the, whatever's on Xbox. But the they, age the age yeah, range of Switch players is much broader, I think, than other consoles and PC as I well. Just, just like I think you reach a younger of, audience. The, too. the willingness to buy an indie game is way higher on Switch than it is on either of the other consoles. I think that's what the data is showing. Them. Do you yeah. think that that'll continue to last in the future as the market continues to grow more saturated and the install base unless, expands? Unless Sony pulls a, a handheld out of their ass, yes. Oh, they're done. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, is there a Microsoft Switch coming out? If not, this is going to continue. Because well, part of this is about being able to take Dead Cells anywhere. Because right. Dead Cells on a plane is fucking awesome. But you know what, yes, though? Yes, it's like, true. To, to Game that came out that like the guy didn't get any attention. That's really good as rival Mega Gun. Have you guys seen or heard anything about that? No. Oh yeah, I saw it at the uh, indie mix. I I brought you over to do an interview with the guy. Yeah, I bought it on Switch. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a competitive shmup. Where yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's it's almost like playing like Bust a Move magical drop but you try and shoot more enemies than your opponent and as you shoot them they get dropped onto their enemy side of the screen and then eventually you can turn into like a boss plane try and take out your opponent mm -hmm. I, I don't know does that sound about accurate greg it's basically yeah it's basically one of those top-down gun shooters i forget what they're called yeah and and it's like it's like yeah. Street Fighter puzzle, Fighter but like puzzle. with the uh, that game. So as you kill stuff, stuff appears on the other side and makes it harder for your opponent. It just it's kind of cool. And there's yeah. boss fights and different and different ships. And they all play differently. It's really cool. Yeah, I need to pick that up actually. Um, well, the other uh, the other thing that was brought up in chat as far as on the Switch outside of the few Nintendo exclusives, is there anything that users can buy outside of the the new wave of indies and ports? Like the big uh, publishers aren't really bringing a whole lot, and only you know not not all of it is up to the quality of stuff you're getting from Panic Switch. Because they're saving it for Panic Switch. button. Uh, you know Panic you button. got Octopath Panic, Traveler. Sorry, Octopath Traveler would be one that I would highlight, and that's like two hundred hours. Yeah, uh, I think we've gotten uh, far afield. Um, I'll just address one point in in chat. It's not that. Triple A can't innovate. It's that the risk is is much higher. Uh, I, I say this as someone who is going to buy a Resident Evil Two remake next month, and then probably not bother with any other video games for at least four after that. Yeah. Uh, the game I'm most anticipating next year is a remake of a twenty year old game. So it's you know it's it's not either or. It's not black or white. It just comes down to financial risk. I mean, if I, I've spent most of the last fifteen years talking with game developers about this. And, you know, the amount of, of AAA developers who have left AAA to be indies, I think, kind of speaks speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And the quality of these indie games are because you have the best and the brightest that have been at these AAA studios that are going out and doing their passion projects. And it's not like they lost their ability overnight because they right. don't have the so, backing of a giant checkbook. I want to address, I want to address I think one that, thing Chris said about AAA supporting Switch. Ubisoft has done that. And they're doing it in a unique way with this uh, cloud-based play in Japan. Mm -hmm. So they are—they're trying to figure out a way to get high-quality console yeah. titles on that. I do think the hardware is going to limit that. Yeah. So sure. there's—they're just not. But then you have like—I know it's not the most graphically intensive game, 
but it's a game that everyone's playing except for Shaq is called Fortnite. Yeah. Right. You know? And like it's on well, Switch. You got Warframe now too, both huge yeah. gets. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like there are games that are coming to the platform. It's gonna be Bethesda too. Yeah, oh yeah, then you have Doom and Wolfenstein yeah. too, and Doom Eternal is gonna launch simultaneously on Switch. So it's like it's more of EA. So you're missing out on the Maddens, the FIFA launched on Switch mm-hmm. with the old engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't have NBA or NHL. Uh, you don't have like, Anthem's not going to launch on Switch. No. Uh, Thank goodness. You know. Yeah. Well, like, sorry, I can't talk about that under NDA. Whatever. But, yeah. you know, it's just there's uh, Nintendo's going to Nintendo, man. Like, they're never going to have yeah. everything that PlayStation does. And that's good because you can just buy a PlayStation for that. Yeah. You know? But I think what's really made Switch unique this year is the indies, which I think it speaks to the the week. What I said earlier, it was kind of a weak year for Nintendo, especially on the back of the best year they've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so financially, critically, in every way. Yeah. yeah. So I it's mean, just like Hyrule you, Warriors and Sushi Striker. 2017 is a unicorn as far as Nintendo is concerned. That's just that's probably never ever going to happen anytime in the near crazy. future. You yeah, have a Mario and a Zelda game in the same year. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, but they had to. Well, and they weren't just Mario and Zelda games; they were bangers. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The even within their own series. Yeah, so but it, you you know, I mean, you had uh, and also Mario games. XCOM, which was better than both of them. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> there was some good stuff for the Switch this year. Mario that's, Party. Um, that's what I mean, though. Like you're gonna see studios like Ubisoft, which I consider AAA, making games for switch and doing things like starlink where it's best on switch you can play with Star Fox on mm-hmm. switch you know it's like a Star Fox open world game yeah so it, i don't know like i feel like they're gonna be fine without uh whatever the banger assassin's creed game is or what without uh monster hunter world yeah but i think those are like the two biggest if if you had to point to two games that came out this year that should have like you're like, yeah, that's missing on Switch. Monster Hunter World and Assassin's Creed would be those two. It's also ironic that a lot of... Um, Besides Red Dead. I don't, I don't want to say Switch detractors, but it's ironic that people are asking, well, where's the AAA support? And then also, in the same breath, criticizing Switch for having all these old games that you've already played, all the same games you've played everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the thing... Not, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the Switch. The uh, thing I was looking for as far as AAA support, not necessarily... I don't want an Assassin's Creed game, but like the resources, uh, I guess I was expecting more and more stuff in the vein of the Mario XCOM type thing where ideas were games that are doing the best to take advantage of the strengths of the platform that still have that insanely big checkbook backing it up uh, as opposed to just either ports or bringing the same idea you know, that sure. works on a different yeah, that platform. Game, that, game was, that game was really cool. That was this, our best surprise last year. This is truly one of those... It's it's like a year two of the Wii situation. Mm-hmm. Everyone just shoveled crap onto Wii in year two. Right. You know, so we'll see. And how Switch has done a good job of avoiding that just because, I mean, oh, ports no. are ports, but uh, oh, they're getting great ones. There's so much poop on the eShop. Yeah. Like, it's, so it's, a, much. it's an app store in Steam. Yeah. Yeah. I have to write, I have to write the deals every week and I have to navigate around a lot of the poop. Yeah. It's not now, easy. We honestly, Ozzy, should maybe start doing a weekly thing called eShop poop. Where we just look at like one terrible eShop game. That's I thought we were trying mean. not to be negative here at Shack News. No, with the awards. Negative gets clicks. With the awards, 
but sometimes you got to call out like a crappy game like basketball. It's just called basketball. I guess it's your frame of reference. Like, if you're Does trying it to deliver what people, it promises? No. It's yeah. like the first game. If you're trying to warn people, hey, don't spend your money on this because yeah. it is a bad. Yeah. yeah. Like we're, we're warning our readers about eShop poop. But it's I just, can get it's behind that as long as I don't have to play said poop. I'll play it. I'll, it okay. should be called poop to avoid while you poop since uh, people use the switch on the pooper. Yeah. But seriously, like eShop. I wish I could say they've done a good job of curating it, but they haven't. It's kind of been a, they opened the floodgate scenario. It's not as bad as steam, but it's getting there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be nice if someone in the future could figure out a way to poop filter. Like, you know, you said steam has the same problem. Nintendo is going to hit it soon. It's just, if you allow anybody to do whatever and you make it simple, there's going to be turd salad everywhere. And it's hopefully one day we're going to run. I play it on the plane or in the car. Mm-hmm. While I'm driving, the safe way. Well, I haven't been on a plane since 9/11. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I see what you did there. Play now, play now. Unrelated to the switch. They're talking. I will say though, going back yeah. to like five minutes ago, we were talking about like Triple A's not taking uh, big chances. Can I give a quick shout out to Ubisoft for Starlink Battle for Atlas for actually taking a chance? Yeah. I don't know if that thing's making money or not, but that they showed a lot of balls even releasing that thing because that's yep. surprisingly really good. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, it's an awesome game. It just kind of flew under the radar. I think uh, they were a little late to late to the game on the whole uh, toy interactive thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, Skylanders well, like, that off. Yeah, the thing is, is where they're targeting a really specific type of gamer. Like they're targeting that gamer. Like that is something my ten-year-old nephew can play and not get confused or frustrated. You know what I mean? Because like the yeah. games are like for older kids usually. You know, I'd say thirteen. Maybe I mean maybe some. I mean every kid's different, right? But like my my nephew can play that game without getting. He wouldn't be able to play Dead Cells, but he can play um, that game. I don't know, man. Have more confidence in your nephew. I showed my five-year-old niece Mega Man 2 over Thanksgiving, and when we played it again last weekend, she was reminding me of the boss order. Have more faith in kids. Yeah, my, my niece was nine, and she was kicking my butt in Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah big surprise there. The kid's different. I but just, still, yeah, I tried to like get him into other games. Can he just can't play them, so. For a 10-year-old. Yeah, yeah. but whatever. Well, yeah, congrats to Ubisoft, though, for actually being the only AAA that's, you know, Trying the stuff. They were real supportive uh, during the Wii as well, if I remember correctly. They, uh, they were, were yeah. putting some. I mean, I know that Just Dance is a joke now, but I think at the time when it hit the Wii, that was something a bit different, new uh, that leveraged the power of the platform. Uh, in a they were on way. board with Nintendo right up until Wii yeah. went into the toilet. Yeah. And then they pulled their support back, but they're back now. And they're, yeah. I don't But think it'd be nice to now. see EA take two, Squeenix and the others, uh, you know. Take some chances uh, on the console or on the I, Switch. I think especially on like, when it comes to EA, right? They're having a rough year or a rough couple of years. When you have IPs like NHL 19 that don't sell well anyway, you put it on Switch because there's no hockey game on Switch. You know? Yeah. Like these are those, there's, and it's an engine that can run on Switch. Like, I the guess only, Frost, you know, Frostbite can't run on Switch. They don't want to scale it down. It's not worth the time. So you're not going to see Madden. You're not going to see the pretty FIFA on it, but they still they did the math and figured out it was worth making a new FIFA for Switch with a different engine. Yeah. So it's like I I honestly think that it's not uh 
it's not the viability of the platform. It's more, it's, it's a board member decision. They're like, well, what will the profit be if we do this? Is it worth it? So I yeah. feel like it's the accountants at these, these companies that are not, that are deciding not to take those risks. Yes. And I, I think that's, that's a problem. And that goes back to this whole indie versus AAA thing that we were talking about. Indies can take risks. Right. Because they're, they're basically moonshot companies to begin with. Yeah. I, I'm also, I'm very interested in, in Capcom's next move on the Switch. They, they said, they were one of the developers who said, who took a, a wait and see approach last year. And they've slowly been migrating titles over. I know Capcom's always going to Capcom. Like, I can't really User criticize them for putting ports on the Switch because Capcom is almost nothing but ports and remakes these days. But they might be, be you know, kind of uh, moving their troops into position to create a brand new game. Monster Hunter may be giving them a longer leash. Now they got a little bit of cash to play with. I mean, the yeah, joke for the last yeah. couple of years is they've been a few inches from the trash can for a while. So They yeah. really have. I, 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 I know I talk about this constantly, but they, they have... Um, uh, forecast really high sales for the RE2 remake. I think that's well, going to... Of course, that's like the it's like... It's going to sell the world. They, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have their successes really and they well. have their misses. Like, uh, like there's, a, there's a reason we're seeing ads in Street Fighter. It's not because that game's doing great. Yeah. Well, I, like we talked about this. Me and my friend talk about this a lot. My friend Steve makes games. And we've been talking about, like, we're getting to that point now where all these great game designers and the people who made Dune, the people who made Fallout, like, they're getting older and they're starting to retire and leave. And Blizzard's a good example of this. And I have these other people coming in. And I like to compare it to when like a when like a big company buys like a popular YouTube channel. What happens to that YouTube channel afterwards? It just crashes. Like we're getting to that point in games now. These people who made these great games 20, 30 years ago are going away. And then these big companies are gobbling up their IP and not knowing what to do with it. But that's a different discussion for Shackcast or something. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we need to do Shackcast again soon. <laughs> I know. We've been slacking. I actually have one that I need to, to post. But uh, are there any games that we left out of this discussion that you guys I'm think? I'm surprised we didn't talk about Red Dead. I'm surprised we didn't talk about God of War. And Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, yeah that was going to be the one that I was going to bring yeah. up. Dragon Ball Fighters. Dragon Ball Fighters, so good. I mean... And Chris, it, where's sports your favorite up. game? Sports, man. Uh, I got the idea you guys didn't like it uh, earlier in the week, so... What are you talking about? Don't listen to Greg. I, I think Forza Horizon 4 is one of the best games to come out this year. There, I said it. Well, uh, Forza Horizon is a banger, guys. Yeah, it's and that's a... How many people... Like We had... I don't know how many people we were hanging out with uh, on our extra live stream, but... It was fun, and we had, I think it was like six people like, that we were playing with. You know? Yeah. Four hours flew by and like felt like ten minutes. It really did. So I guess my main arguments uh, for the game are that uh, I think it's the best-looking game of the year. It's incredibly well-optimized. Uh, in my opinion, I'm kind of a racing game nut. This is the best arcade racing game ever released. Uh, it is insanely high-quality, insanely polished. It has a seamless open world with more stuff to do than any other open world game I played in 2018. It went out of its way to make sure that you could do all of its content the way you want to do it. You weren't locked to a certain type of car or whatever. If you want to progress through the whole game with a Honda Civic that had a weed eater motor in it, uh, the game would work with you to let you enjoy it the way you wanted to. If you want to be in nothing but supercars, if you just wanted to be in weird stuff that doesn't really race and just drive into walls, the game would let you progress from driving into walls, breaking stuff, flipping. 
Uh, yeah, I love that. Like, you don't even have to play the game to progress through it. The you weather just... system, or I guess was it called the season system, honestly made meaningful changes to the way, like, you were in the same world, but uh, the way the controls handled completely changed from Beagle to Beagle. Uh, the way the road worked, some things that were there before, what it would have been normal road, could be covered up. Uh, places that were water are now ice that can be traveled over. Uh, just different events in the open world that are not there in certain seasons or others. So it lets them layer more of their, in this case, most all of them are races. It's a racing game. Uh, the map is just rotten with things to do. And then you have a seasonal change and there's a whole nother wad of stuff to do because now, you know, just the, the season opens up different possibilities for it. For those creative types, the livery editor is about the same as it's been in the series before, but you can progress through the game without even driving the car. If you if you like painting and doing all this other stuff, you can submit your designs for other players to get. They can like and vote on them, and it starts paying you out so you can collect more cars. Uh, same goes for tuning. If you're a gearhead that you like, and you know, adjusting every last bit of the car, you can go for all that. Every little change matters. If you're a person that doesn't care about any of this, and it's overwhelming to you the idea of futzing with your car, they make it insanely simple to take tunes from your friends from the public at large they have a course creator now that lets people basically make anything they want to make in the world as far as an event so if you're not happy with the 500 things that the game was provided the day one you have a now infinite number of missions races events whatever you want to do uh instead of a static world now it's completely full of up to 72 other people that are doing things uh they have live events that people join into on the fly in and out there's competitive racing for fun you can do any event solo you can do it cooperatively with friends or randos you can make things pvp it's just so insanely rotten with content that it's kind of hard to relay the amount of stuff there unless you see it and experience it for yourself yeah it ticks the box the box for me and uh, in the rep the replayability column like it is it's a game that I'll play for years. And, it, you know, the Forza Horizon series is kind of like that. It, it tends to have a longer life than the motorsport uh, games. Yeah. And I think a lot of people confuse the two because they have Forza in them. Mm -hmm. Very different games. Yeah, uh, you can kind of... Uh, by default, the game goes towards the heavy arcade side where all the assists are turned on. And the way the steering and the tires interact with the track and the dirt is simplified in a way that your friend that doesn't play car games, doesn't like any of this stuff, can jump in with you, can be competitive, and you can have a good time with each other, even if you are Mr. Custom Wheel with headset and all this other, you know, you adjust everything right down and like you manage or look at your tire pressure while you're racing on the front left to make sure that it hasn't gone up by two degrees Celsius that could affect you know, the oversteer of your car on the 13th turn. And both of those people can be in the same race at the same time and just have a good time, which you can't say for any other racing game for sure. And it's unusual for any other open world game, which is what I would describe this as first and foremost, to offer that ability uh, cooperatively or even, you know, on your own. Yeah. I definitely wanted to give this game a shout out before we wrapped up. And then uh, I saw Charles is in chat. He said Vampire, Gur, and then Two Point. 
Yes, Vampire. I didn't get to play this one, so I have to defer to Charles. But uh, independent uh, horror game. We gave it our horror game of the year. Oh, am I allowed to say that aloud? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, it does. We don't know who's going to win horror game of the year. We didn't. We but didn't uh, if you're into the narrative uh, style stuff, uh, if Charles says it's good, I don't care. You should probably listen to him. He's he's borderline legit. Uh. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, Two Point Hospital uh, is one we talked about a bit the other day during our deliberations that haven't been public yet, but it's kind of a, a love letter to the Bullfrog strategy games of old, and uh, it pulled off uh, its intentions as far as letting you kind of relive the vibe of, uh, in this case, Theme Hospital, with modern graphics and a modern take, and offering a fresh experience that uh, you know brought the the newer conventions of the genre uh, and laid it into the old game in a seamless way. Uh, it had the perfect mix of humor and vibe that I just wasn't expecting at the time. And in, because the community or the development team announced that they're kind of building an entire world based on the two point community where we may be getting, you know, a uh, transportation sim or a theme park builder or something like that out of this universe makes me really excited. You, you stream two point, right? Yes, yeah, several times. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely an entertaining stream. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's British. Uh, you know, if you can't handle <laughs> British people, maybe it's not the biggest thing you would like. But uh, the humor always hit for me. The little bits of absurdist type stuff. Yeah, fit well. And underneath, there was an incredibly competent uh, simulation game that would work on its own without the a uh, nice sense of style and all that. But as a person that loved the old Bullfrog games. It was something I didn't know that I wanted that I loved that we got and was very, very happy with it. Loved the game. Is, is it on Switch? Not that I, as far as I know, it is still a PC, PC only, but it runs on Unity, so anything's possible. It should I don't want to speak for him, though. I did not expect that yeah, game to make me laugh game. as much as it did. Yeah, the humor, yeah, <laughs> on the, the humor surface, it doesn't seem on. like it should work, but the radio station in that game continues to crack me up. Just the random one-off bits. Game. It's super accessible too. Yep. Like, I think it's gonna be kind of overwhelming because a lot of the sim games are where you just kind of get lost in the minutia. But it's it's very out. I don't want to say it isn't complex. There's layers to it, definitely. But you can go as deep as you want. You can simplify it if it helps you play, or if that's what you need to do in order to enjoy. Yeah. So as far as as far as management sims go, I think this is the one I've played the most since the movies, and that's probably been more than 10 years ago now. I don't know if anybody else ever gotten into that one. I think it was the last of the Lionhead games, but, uh, if, you know, you miss playing these games from the 90s. This is kind of the ultimate love letter to those, uh, and if you haven't, you think you might be into a management sim, this would definitely be the one I'd start with. Awesome. Yeah, um, I think we hit everything. Quick mention for VR players. Torn is one of the most fun experiences I had this year with my Oculus headset, says Charles. Gorn? Torn? Torn. Torn. Uh, my Be- Beat Saber. VR experience this year is tough. There's, there's been a lot. Um, and I guess it would probably be untethered super hot in the Oculus Quest, but that doesn't really count. For game of the year, I, it's hard to argue against Beat Saber right now for the the best VR game. Uh, but we'll we'll have all those announcements of our awards uh, during our break. So about a week from now, we'll start 
announcing who won what. Look for a steady uh, trickle of award winners. Yep. On shacknews.com. Yep. Yep. Thanks for thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um and yeah, it's hard to argue against Beat Saber though. Like, come on. Yeah. I think that's VR's Tetris. Even though there's a Tetris in VR. I was gonna say, is Tetris effect VR's Tetris? No. <laughs> yeah, Tetris is VR's Tetris. I think this is the natural evolution of an idea we saw just barely touched on by Audio Surf ten years ago, and this is the evolution of that in the best possible way. Damn it, Icemaker, your UPS man. Yeah, it's it's always awful here. That's that's those those silly wiener dogs that Chris has. Lola is Lola's sleeping, man. Yeah, Lola fell asleep. We bored her. But uh, no, I want to thank everyone on staff for taking time to do this. We do this once a year. Uh, where we we fight to the death for our games that we love. Yeah, I have some thinking to do before I submit my top ten, uh, which will be this weekend. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna go out there and buy Spider Man. I feel like an idiot because I could have got it for forty five bucks a few weeks ago. I think Black uh, Friday will continue to honest all. I know, right? Um, <laughs> although we we sold a lot of hoodies that day. There you go. So win win win. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's all for now. We have a lot to think about before we announce our game of the year and all the other Shack News awards. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all of our subs out there. Everyone who subscribed during the stream, thank you. I think I saw Ozzy subbed. I did. Yeah, Ozzy. <laughs> we also had a Twitch nugget uh, from our regular top boy, Slayer Bill, who's now the top of Nugget Mountain. If you ever want to be on the mountain on the left of the stream here, guys, hit us with those Twitch bits. It's always good to be noticed. Chatty posters who are listening, get your game of the year picks Ooh, in. Yeah. Yep, Maybe we can throw a link time. to that thread here in the chat. would be good. But uh, I want to go ahead and say that for, let's see if I get everybody here for sure, for Blake, for Greg, for Ozzy, for Asif, for David, for Bill, for Donovan, Charles, Brittany, Sam, Kevin. I think that's everybody. You guys have a great Friday, great weekend. Play the games of 2018. We talked about them today, and you haven't checked. Please check. If you have any suggestions, you think stuff we missed, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the chatty. Yell at us. We love to be talked to. We love to be talked about. We're all vain. So you guys have a great night. Check us out on Twitter at Shag News, and y'all have a great night. Happy birthday, Sam. Happy birthday, Sam. Love you, Sam. Love you, Sam.